What is up, wrestling fans? It's that time of the week for them boys from 607 Podcast to talk all things pro wrestling and call it right down the middle. That's right, it's time for this week's episode of 607 Podcast presents The Wrestling Show, better known as 607TWS. This week, we are coming to you from the ODPH Dungeon, the realest thing in pro wrestling. Of course, I am your host, and I also host the 3FN Podcast. My name is Rich, and joining me in the co-pilot's chair as he does each and every week, but you better know him as the host of the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast, better known as the ODPH. I'm talking about Ken M. 607 Podcast fam, what is happening? What is going on? What is good? Let's talk some pro wrestling, shall we? And we got a lot of pro wrestling yes, this we week do. to talk about, which is never a bad thing. Listen, it's never a bad thing when we have a lot of pro wrestling to talk about. Uh, before we go in further, though, sad news that kind of, uh, like, most people wouldn't know this affects the wrestling world, but I uh, just heard of the passing of Richard Belzer. Yeah, breaking as we're recording. Yeah, because we're recording on a rare Sunday. You guys are going to have this available to you this Sunday night instead of a Monday because we, we thankfully had time to do this. But uh, where he ties into wrestling, which most people don't know, he is the first person to find out how much of a cocksucker Hulk Hogan really was. Because if you don't remember, in the build to WrestleMania, Richard Belzer used to have a night uh, nighttime talk show. And Mr. T and Hulk Hogan went on the show. And he kept saying about how wrestling was fake. So Hogan puts him in a front face lock. I remember And he now. puts him to sleep and he smacks his head off. And he actually is bleeding from his head because Hogan puts him to sleep. And... It's it, it, like it's hilarious to watch, but it was serious enough that he ended up suing Hogan. And Richard Belzer actually bought a like chateau in France, and he names it he named it Chateau de Hogan or Le Hogan <laughs> or whatever because I don't speak French. Because Hogan, the lawsuit paid for it. WWE and Hulk Hogan paid for it. So That's... he calls it Chateau de Hogan. I think it is. Wow. I, like, I remember the incident. I didn't remember hearing the fallout from that. Holy yes, smokes. Yes, So Richard Belzer does tie in, but I'm also a big SVU guy. Yes. I loved uh, Homicide prior to that because the same character, uh, John Munch, was actually from that show, went in over to the other show because they were all created by Dick Wolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richard Belzer, legendary, and also a comedian, which most people didn't know. Yep. So uh, rest in peace, uh, yeah. uh, Richard Belzer. And, of course, uh, condolences to his uh, family, friends, and uh, fans, which we are amongst. But, yeah, that's the tie into wrestling. I just wanted to get that out there because it just literally broke. Usually that would be safe for entertainment, but he does have a wrestling tie-in. Yeah, no, I completely forgot about the the talk show until you brought it back up. I remember seeing the highlights from that. I was like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. but on top of that, he's the first person to really find out how much of a prick Hulk Hogan is. Like, that's kind of like his claim to wrestling fame. But, yeah, sad news, though. Sad news. So that sucks to start off with, but... Good story for those guys, uh, those of you out there that might not know that story mm-hmm. of him and Hulk Hogan. So, unfortunately, now we have to change gears. Yeah. But while we change gears, we got a lot to talk about this week. In the main event of this show, we will be uh, reviewing WWE Elimination Chamber, one of the most hyped non-WrestleMania pay-per-views that we've ever seen. We'll talk if it hit that hype or not. We'll talk about it during that. Also, because that is the final premium live event i know i just said pay-per-view a minute ago i'm Mm. trying to correct myself it's the same thing it is but it's the last ple on our way on the road to wrestlemania we uh as we record we have 41 days till wrestlemania's okay so with that being said we are going to break down kind of like what the WrestleMania cards already look like. We're not going to break down the matches yet because we're mm-hmm. going to do that when we get closer to that. Sure. We're also going to tell you how we're going to handle WrestleMania. I got a new idea this year, how we're going to handle WrestleMania coverage. 
for two weeks, and it's going to mean more content for all of you. And I think Ken's going to be on board. Okay. Because I'm kind of, I'm just going to give a little hint. If you listen to the ODPH podcast, when I'm a, and I'm also a part every year of the NFL breakdown, the preseason mm-hmm. breakdown. Something similar to that. We'll talk about it in the in the main event, though. But there's also a lot of rumors spreading around WWE on the road to WrestleMania and beyond. So we're going to address some of that going on. Once again, they're just rumors, but we will talk about that. In the mid-card, we're going to hit you with that indie roundup. Game Changer Wrestling was back with a couple big shows this weekend. Black Label Pro had a couple big shows this weekend. And uh, we have some uh, sh- we have a show from Glory Pro, a big, huge yes. sixth anniversary event for Glory Pro Wrestling coming up this upcoming weekend. And on top of that, even though it's not indie, but we always cover it because they're fi- on Fight.TV. Uh, we got a big impact uh, pay-per-view, mm-hmm. No Surrender coming up. We'll be previewing that as well in the big card. And then and we got the opening contest. In the opening contest, we will be talking and reviewing New Japan Pro Wrestling's Battle in the Valley, the huge debut of Mercedes Money. And then we will also be talking about Mudo's last match, KG Mudo's. Yes, the great Mudo already had his last match. The man himself is having one last match. That's coming up this upcoming Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And then last but certainly not least, we're going to kick it off with some AEW news because I feel like the yin and the yang. We have to end with some WWE news. We'll start with some AEW news. And uh, let's just say Tony Khan is in the news for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. Right? Well, before we can do all that, because there's a lot to talk about, Ken M, tell these fine folks how to find yourself and the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast. Very simple. Swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join the conversation on the social media accounts. They're all right there on the front page, along with the Patreon link, one tier, $2 a month, and the T Public Store. Parley points blog section. Going to try hammering out another blogs count anywhere this week. Going to try, but if you've been following the comic book coverage on there, you'll know why it doesn't get done this week if it doesn't get done. But if it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, like we said, talking music, talking classified section, which you find friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast, the directory, it is all found at odphpodcast.com. And, of course, if you'd like to find myself and the 3FN Podcast, you can do that simply by going to 3FNPodcast.com. That's the number 3FNPodcast.com. Uh, there's the one-stop shop. You have all of our links there. We have the Patreon link, patreon.com slash 3FNPodcast. For as little as $1 a month, you get a ton of extra bonus content. You help support everything we do here. Also, on top of that, there's the T Public link. Uh, links to friends of the show, like the ODPH. There is a specific link where you can stream and find out all the information about 3FN podcast and also 607 TWS plus we have the musical directory featuring the bands that allow us to use their music including the band Floodlands whose song Ruins is our theme song here at 607 TWS that you hear each and every week and also while you're at it Second Suitor Mm -hmm. and their song One Winged Angel which is the song you hear us exit the show with every week make sure you're supporting both of those great bands on Spotify YouTube Music and Bandcamp and then while you're there check out the sponsor section those are the people who help bring bring you these shows commercial free shout outs to our main sponsor of 607 TWS and that of course is Dragon Master Games make sure for all your Magic the Gathering and gaming needs you visit them on the world wide web dragonmastergames.com and then make sure you also check out Sci-Fi Horror Fest scifihorrorfest.com and of course Dubby Energy Drink D-U-B-B-Y dot G-G. Get some energy drinks over there. Use the promo code 3FNPOD. That's the number 3FNPOD during checkout to get 10% off. Thank you all for sponsoring us. But like I said, the main sponsor is Dragon Master Games. And for all of that information, 3FNPodcast.com. Well, Ken, I think it's time. 
I think it's time that we stop talking about ourselves, we stop talking about the past, and we move on to talk about the present and the future. And I think it's also, more importantly, what the people really want to hear. Let's talk about some pro wrestling. Ken M, I think your watch has a little something on it. And, uh... That's right. It's time to kick off the opening card of 607 TWS. And let's start off with some, uh, like I said, we're going to start off and being fair. Listen, yes, I don't like to bury Tony Khan. I don't like to bury AEW, but I am fucking pissed. And I'm going to tell you why. We got a pay-per-view coming up in less than two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's two more dynamites before this pay-per-view. Right. And so far, we know maybe two, three matches. I think it's only Technically, we know we know two for sure. We know the third match, but we don't know all the participants. Right. So we know that we're going to have an Iron Man match for the AEW World Championship between MJF and Brian Danielson. We know that we're going to get another, the 1,000th ever in, uh, I think we're all getting a free something for this, Texas death match between John Moxley and Hangman Adam Page. And then last but certainly not least, we definitely know that the AEW World Tag Team Championships are on the line as your tag team champions, the Ass Boys, defend those titles against the acclaimed and then two teams that over the next two weeks are going to be in a battle royal and a casino battle royal to determine the other two teams in a four-way dance that's all that we've got confirmed Mm -hmm. so far everything else now is speculation we could speculate on where the AEW women's championship is going to be defended or the tnt title is going to be defended Uh, i do i do think that they're going to be doing wardlow and samoa joe from what i understand that is like kind of the solid plan but i don't know (laughs) you know they haven't really done much towards it right in my opinion, uh, we I'm sure that some other things are going to fall into place. But once again, instead of having a salad, here's where we're going. Here's how we're going to build hype. Here's how we're going to, you know, kind of, for lack of a better term, kind of borrow from WWE and the hype that they just built around Elimination Chamber. Mm. You know, Elimination Chamber was a throwaway pay-per-view. We've said that a million times. Before we even get to the main event. We've always said, oh, it's just that one pay-per-view that's on the road to WrestleMania. All they really do is just kind of solidify what we already know. This year felt different. Why? Because they hyped things, and the crowd was amped, and they had a main event people were interested in. Now, mind you, there is fans, diehard fans of AEW that are interested in MJF versus Brian Danielson. However, what are you doing for the casual fan to make them pay $50 for your pay-per-view? See, WWE has the luxury of being on Peacock for $4.99 or $9.99, depending upon which package you have. Mm. Therefore, we don't have to worry about you paying $50. Right. But we're paying $50. And mind you, they're going to do it on March 5th. The reason why is because on March 4th, the UFC is kicking everybody in the face with a gigantic card featuring the return of one of their biggest stars, John Jones. Exactly. So smartly, they moved it from Saturday to Sunday, but also they're notorious for their pay-per-views running for 13 hours. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's an exaggeration, but you it know, it feels like it though. They start at 8 PM and it probably is going to end at one or two mm. when most of us have to work the next day. Mm. It's not like, it's not like when they do, you know, double or nothing or all out where they're doing it on a holiday weekend. So a lot of people do not work that money. There are some people that do, mm. but a lot of people don't. So that makes it easier. But for those of us who have to work on Mondays, it's brutal. It's brutal because you got an hour long match and they're probably going to put 10 matches on this card because that's what they normally do. Or better. Usually it's about a 13-match card, but I think with an hour match, they might drop it down to 10. Mm, Hopefully. Hopefully. But it it could go long. But 
I digress. That's a whole long way of saying, instead of doing any of that to like make us excited and make it so we can talk about the road to revolu- uh, revolution, which we'll be talking about next week, because obviously it is to go home time for it. Mm. And hopefully we have some more matches to preview next week when we do it. Instead, no, Tony Khan took to Twitter. So this past week on SmackDown, in the build to the big Sami Zayn versus Roman Reigns main event at Elimination Chamber in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, Sami Zayn's hometown, they did SmackDown for Montreal as well, the same exact building. And during SmackDown, they hired one Ariel Hawani, Mm -hmm. who is a Montreal native. Yep. To come out and kind of two or three times during the night, he came out and he had a hype package for Sami Zayn. He got the crowd hyped. We're so happy to have Sami Zayn, our local hero, is going to go in there tomorrow against the unstoppable champion, and he could bring the championship home here. And it was a great hype-up thing. And, of course, the next day we had a whole hype-up package for him during Elimination Chamber that Ariel Hawani was the voice of and narrated. WWE spent some money bringing him in to do so. Once again, has nothing to do with his journalism, by the way. We're going to get to that in a second. It just has to do with, hey, why wouldn't he want to be a part of the Hometown Boys big event, gigantic news, and get paid? Sure. And by the way, George St. Pierre was also at Elimination Chamber. I want to throw that out there. That's how big it was. Even Mm -hmm. George St. Pierre came out to celebrate Elimination Chamber. Mm -hmm. But with that being said, of course, we know the history between Ariel Hawani and one Tony Khan. And I'm not going to go in too much. You can go back in uh, the pre- previous episodes a while ago when it happened. And I kind of spoke out. So I'm going to kind of like give the little bookend here. Is that uh, Ariel Hawani has interviewed plenty of people from AEW, including MJF. Mm-hmm. and But he had Tony Khan on shortly after the scrum incident, shortly after CM Punk incident. And Tony Khan uh, proceeded to not answer questions. And to dodge questions. And I get it. I was the first to say, you know, legally he can't answer some of these questions. However, there's a right and a wrong way to do it. Instead of dancing around and making it look like you have something to hide or just looking uncomfortable, you should have just said, hey, listen, I can't answer those questions because right now there's some legal things tied into that. As soon as I can, I will address that to everybody we can. We talked about it on the episode. Both me and you gave the right PR ways to do it. Mm -hmm. Listening to that interview, and then later on, Ariel Hawani would say, when asked in a different interview what his worst interview was, he mentioned Tony Khan because he didn't want to talk about anything. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, of course, that love AEW, and that's fine, defended Tony Khan and were like, oh, no, you were trying to do this and this and this. No, no, no. He was trying to... Be a journalist. And he, he was trying to get Tony Khan and AEW stuff out to more people. That's what a journalist does. Mm-hmm. The big the big issue at the time was CM Punk. You're going to ask about it. But there's a difference in going, you know, dancing around and looking irritated and not answering other questions and actually saying something and saying, no, you know, but I'd rather talk about this. But to what talk about that, you have to get the definitive answer. Like, listen, I can only speak on this. I can't speak to anything else because that's tied up in the legal department. I've been asked not to say anything. You understand when it all gets sorted out and I can talk, I'd love to do another interview with you so we can talk about that. But can we, you know, let's talk about the return of MJF. Yeah. Let's talk about John Moxley, who's the MVP of AEW. That's a good way to segue into things, but he just doesn't do that because he's uncomfortable. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. But you can't blame Ariel Hawani right. for asking the questions. And of course, people are like, well, you didn't ask questions to Triple H about uh, Vince McMahon's sexual assaults and stuff. Well, what, what do you think? Triple H was in the room? Yeah. Once again, you don't ask that. He did ask him questions about taking over. Uh He did ask him questions about how it was with the controversy, but he didn't ask him about what was happening in the room because Triple H wasn't there. Exactly. 
Tony Khan, he was sitting next to CM Punk when shit went down. Mm-hmm. He might have not been there when the fight broke out because he was still in front of the media scrum, but he was there when the shit that started that fight happened. Yep. So it's it's the same. It's not asking somebody that was a witness. So I digress. There was a whole thing. That was months ago. So obviously Tony Khan is offended by that still to this day as he tweeted out at 8.56 p.m. on Friday during SmackDown. So, by the way, we found oh, the world found out that Tony Khan watches SmackDown. Yeah. <laughs> He tweeted, you're a fraud, at Ariel Hawani. You're as legitimate of a reporter as at Tony Schiavone 24, hashtag AEW Rampage. Doesn't use the SmackDown hashtag, which I don't blame him. Right. But it would have gotten more eyes. And because, uh, by the way, uh, by it's got 2.7 million views, but that's also because Ariel Hawani's people got a hold of it. Uh, the AEW apologists were g- getting just buried by the MMA faithful. Mm-hmm. Don't fuck with those people, folks. I'm just letting you know, as a wrestling person and an MMA person, don't fuck with the MMA people. They will go for them. Yeah. They will go for blood. So he wrote that. Ariel Hawani, when he saw it, which was after SmackDown, because it was an hour later, according to Twitter, said uh, he re- he quote he replied and he said thanks for watching making the joke old friend exclamation point can't wait for our next chat and then in parentheses he goes also don't listen to the snowman shivani you're legend you're a legend in my books Mike, by the way drop by the way and, and people are like well you know he's only said shivani because the gimmick he plays on tv but no it sounds like because you're obviously really going after Ariel hawani yeah it sounds like you're talking shit about tony shivani that's how it came across to me and and then people are like well no so why are you mixing work with shoot you shouldn't be doing that that that's just throwing it out there. You should have said you're maybe as a legitimate as as an insert name of fucking disgraced journalist or something there. You know what I mean? Like I don't know who to throw in there because I don't pay attention to that fucking news. But you know, there's mm-hmm. plenty of options, right? Yes. Tony Khan did reply back to say, "Good luck with the unbiased journalism." Ooh boy, that he got him there, and I don't know. How do you feel about the Tony Khan tweet? Once again. I, I, I kind of led in by saying, instead of talking about revolution, we're talking about a dumb tweet. Go ahead. Exactly. Why are you wasting the time to go after Ariel Hawani, except now you just admitted that you're still hurt by what he said? Ariel was there because it's in his hometown. He does cover sports there. He went as a guest and of the WWE, did a phenomenal job promoting the event and why it was so symbolic about Sami Zayn wrestling in front of Montreal. It was a great piece. But instead, you got Tony getting on Twitter and sounding off and sounding very, very petty about it. Instead of saying, like, Rampage was on an hour earlier. We got a great pay-per-view card coming up in Revolution. That I'm going to be talking about matches coming out this Wednesday. Doing something like that. But instead, you painted yourself into such a bad light with that tweet. And then you took a shot at one of your employees. That's yeah. how it read to me. That's how it read to me as well. And on top of that, I love, I got to, don't start shit with Ariel Hawani. We've no. talked about this on the show before when this went down. Because remember, he's the guy that brought Brendan Schaub to his knees. Mm-hmm. He's the guy, you know, put the hat, the P.F. Chang's hat on and said, I'm the owner, operator, and, and, and manager of P.F. Chang's from now on. Insulting Brendan Schaub. He did the same thing here. So, double entendre, <laughs> he uh, ended up calling him a snowman. And that is in reference to, of course, Elvis's horrible, corrupt manager. Mm-hmm. And it's also a secondary uh, acknowledgement to something that's heavily rumored on the internet. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just, I'm just saying, nudge, nudge, winch, winch. There's a reason it's in the soundboard because when people hear it, they know exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of double. Now, Tony Khan also did not do himself a service, and here's why. He got used to the beginning of AEW. 
when they could take shot after shot at World Wrestling Entertainment, take shots at NXT, take shots at per- people personally. Of course, Cody Rhodes has since apologized and his implicit because he, of course, coming back to the company. But they'd take it, and they still do to an extent. But here's the thing. He keeps forgetting that when Vince was there, Vince's policy is do not mention anybody. It doesn't matter. I don't want you to mention AEW. Don't want you to mention any other people. doesn't matter. They're right. below us. That's how his stance has been. Triple H, on the other hand, does not like your company, does not like all your shots you took, and therefore, he just basically has made it open season. He doesn't necessarily want people saying AEW, but he doesn't care if they veil things. And mind you, it's not Vince McMahon where they feed people lines. These are lines coming from the employees themselves. I kind of akin this to a lesser version. Mind you, Sami Zayn, beloved figure, like Mick Foley, uh, because even Triple H mentioned that in his press conference. Kind of not the same person, but, you know, for yeah. some reason has a bond with the fans. Yeah, same kind of connection. So, therefore, doing this isn't quite as bad as when Shivani made the infamous Nitro. Hey, you know, I hear uh, Mick Foley, you know, Mankind, used to be Cactus Jack here, is going to win their title over there. That'll put butts in seats. And, of course, ch- channels yeah. turned. The and click that heard was the, around the world. And that was the, cha- the, the tie that took WWE in the new direction and actually ended up in the resulting in the failure of WCW in a lot of ways. So you turn around and you go doing this, you are taking a shot at somebody that everybody's interested in, whether they're WWE fans or not. And you're veiling it with this whole, you know, Ariel Hawani thing, which is tied into that. So of course there's going to be hard feelings from the other side. So during the pre-show and we caught this instantly and went, mm. Holy shit. During the elimination chamber pre-show, as you might know, Peter Rosenberg, radio personality from New York. He's on Hot 9-7. He's also on Sports Talk Radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, If you don't know him, he, he does things for ESPN as well. Peter yeah, Rosenberg, he's, very he's, well he's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And you and you probably, as a wrestling fan, know him because he does the, you know, usually does the pre-shows for mostly, almost every WWE pay-per-view pretty much. Yeah. There's occasionally when he misses. One or two he misses. But, but. He, not, not too much. I mean, he started off with Pat McAfee on pre-shows. And now he's just continued that role. Him, Sam Roberts, Pat McAfee was the team. Obviously, Pat McAfee goes on to be a commentator. Him and Sam Roberts. Sam Roberts more tied to NXT. Mm. Peter Rosenberg more tied to the main roster. However, Peter Rosenberg uh, introduced Ariel Hawani, who stopped in briefly at the end of the pre of the end of the pre show. And when he introduced Ariel Hawani, he introduced him as, and I quote, "A man who is respected by anyone of any intelligence whatsoever as an MMA journalist." Incredible. Later on in the show, our good friend Michael Cole uh, had to chime in as well because Michael Cole, talking about Ariel Hawani later in the night, had this to say while describing who Ariel Hawani was. Michael Cole referred to him as an unbiased, world-renowned combat sports journalist who asked the hard questions whether you want to answer them or not. Ooh. End quote. <laughs> and uh, somebody had asked me, do you think that was a direct shot? I'm like, you bet your sweet ass. That thousand percent, sum. yeah. That was a direct shot in them some. They went for blood on that shot. And man, if if I'm <laughs> if I'm Tony Khan, it's not worth the drama. Why did you even put it out there? Who cares? Who cares if a journalist bothers you? Just stop. The only reason I, I and like I said, I'm only guessing at this, is they wanted to really try creating some buzz for them over the weekend. Because let's face it, this has been one of the most highly anticipated premium live events in recent memory that's not WrestleMania. So I think how it came across, he felt a certain way apparently, and this was such a bad look to do. Because now 
you generated a lot more reaction in a negative way than you were even thinking it was going to happen. I agree. And it's just really weird to me, though. This is one of those times we've talked about it before. He needs a handler. Yeah. He needs a handler. He needs somebody in charge of these things. He needs to not be so passionate about it. I get it. There's a lot of people like, oh, that's what I love about him, his passion. But his passion puts his foot in his mouth too much. Mm -hmm. There's no reason you should have just stepped away from the thing. This is WWE's weekend. I get that they fuck with you all the time. If you wanted to do that, then put a show up against it. But you know you're not going to do well because you don't do well when they put shows up against you. Right. So, therefore, it would. You, there's no recourse for you to take it out on them. So, with that being said... Know your role, stay in your lane, and build your product to the point where you can someday do that. And we've been saying that forever. Focus on your product. Mm -hmm. Focus on your product. Triple H is not worried about Tony Khan when he's booking shows. We know this because look at the storylines. He does not care about anybody. He's booking storylines. He's booking for fans. He's booking for himself and the company and what makes the most sense in the bottom dollar. We'll talk about it later. Mm -hmm. However, Tony Khan seems to get in the weeds and get in his feels and I, this person hurt my feelings and that person hurt my feelings and therefore I'm going to use my platform to talk shit about them and it just makes you look petty and it doesn't look professional and sorry man I see a lot of indie promoters doing it no offense to anybody who's listening I'm not talking about anybody you know in particular but trust me any of us who have been in indie wrestling long enough we've talked to indie promoters who are bitter about every other promoter mm -hmm. they're bitter about <laughs> every other fucking promotion instead of just worrying about the bottom line which is your promotion and moving forward and it's the same thing with AEW first and foremost need to worry about AEW booking revolution and getting the best pay-per-view vibes you can working on the ratings making sure your show is top-notch and guess what everything will fall into place yeah who cares what Ariel Hawani said you had a terrible interview with Ariel Hawani that kind of was on you as well as him <laughs> you know what I mean exactly move on move on that's the whole point he needs to worry about AEW like that should be the only thing that he needs to really focus on because, in my opinion, there's no buzz going for Revolution coming up. None. And if you don't have people interested in your product, then who's going to turn in and pay 50 bucks to watch it? This is where you need to just really sit down with your team, get refocused on yourself. You have two weeks for a, a pay-per-view. If you're not focused and you're going to keep going back to address this for reasons, you've already failed. Yeah, you've, you've sabotaged yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't need to sabotage yourself. Put yourself in a position to win. Now, let's talk about one more AEW thing before moving on to New Japan Pro Wrestling. And that is, we're talking about rumors with WWE. There's a big rumor now being reported by WrestleTalk and a bunch of the other talking heads in the wrestling world. So take it with a grain of salt. Right. However, there's this big rumor that we're going to see the return of CM Punk to AEW soon. My question is simply this, and I'll give my opinion as well. Is this a good idea or not, and why? Ken M. And we're just playing off the rumor. Once again, it's a rumor. Take it as a grain of salt. I personally don't think the dude's coming back. He might. But if you're in charge, if you're some reason, why or why not? Is this a good idea or bad idea? This is a terrible idea. <laughs> uh, just the track record has already been established. There's still a lot of bad feelings that are, are not going to get mended over anytime soon. Unfortunately, this is a situation that has been created. This is just bad top to bottom. I will say this. There is a little smoke that we're going to talk about later to this fire. So mm -hmm. this is going to come back up in the main event. I'm not saying that it's major smoke. Once again, everything is rumors. Even the stuff we talk about later. We, we always say it's a rumor. This is just our opinions. Right. 
I'm with you. This is a bad decision. If you are bringing CM Punk back, this is bad. Uh, he was terrible for your locker room. Uh, Seth Rollins said it best. He was a cancer. Now, mind you, you can like CM Punk. You can be a fan of CM Punk. And yes, I'm, I'm sure that there was some petty shit that went on with the EVPs of that company and him and everything else. We know that it's documented. But there's a way to handle business and there's a way not to handle business. He did not handle business good, neither did they. Once again, AEW doesn't seem to do a lot professional professional business. Sorry, guys. Sorry for anybody who loves it. I, it doesn't change my opinion of the product. I still watch every week, whether it's good or not is, you know, week to week basis. However, the thing is in the back, you should be professional. The same thing we just said about the Ariel Hawani situation. There was a lack of professionalism uh, down the line for CM Punk. Mm-hmm. Why was Hangman Page cutting promos that weren't approved on AEW television? Yeah. Why was, why were they bringing up subjects that we know are very, you know, triggering for one CM Punk. Yeah. Once again, that's on them. Tony Khan should have wrangled that shit in. So that's on him and the and the executives because he's the the buck stops with him. He's the owner. Mm-hmm. He's the guy, right? Yeah. The buck stops with him. So that's where it's on him. It's also on him that he sat next to <laughs> CM Punk. Well, CM Punk did what he did. Right. That is also on him without stopping it. On CM Punk's end of the thing, which he's known to be a petty individual, not professional himself, let's be honest, great talent in the ring when you get him in there, right? Mm-hmm. However, you have to deal with everything outside the ring. And once again, yes, did they poke the bear? Absolutely. I agree. They poked the bear. But the bear didn't have to bite. The bear should have said, okay, I'm going to eat some shit. I'm going to do my job. I'll take it in the backstage where it should be. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't get fixed, then I'll wait my contract out and I'll go elsewhere. Yeah, That is professionalism, folks. There was no reason. He's not, you know, they kept him away from Scott Colton, if you will, <laughs> you know, but to, to go out there and to have the meltdown he had, it's it, even if it's warranted. Because, like I said, I can I can see where he's coming from. Yeah. But as a professional, I can see not to do it. No, that's the whole point. You can, you can definitely see some points to it. But at the end of the day, this is your paid profession. You need to act like a professional. And if you bring him back at this stage, you know, fool, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. And I'd also say with business-wise, he wasn't as big of a box office draw as they like to believe. Mm. You know, when he was there, they weren't pulling over a million every week. Right. The, you know, the numbers weren't as big as we all thought, and myself included. I remember sitting in this chair yeah. years ago. Mm-hmm. We've done this show we've for talked, years. Yep. And I used to say, man, CM Punk's the game changer for AEW. You bring him in, you're going to do a million and a half every week. Mm-hmm. I was fucking wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't mind admitting that I was wrong. But for Tony Khan, everybody, yeah, he brought you some success. Some he, he brought you he well he brought you the he brought you to a, a level that you weren't before mm-hmm. so like when you hear him say that the gates were bigger when you hear him say and, and that was because of CM Punk when you hear him say that the buy rates were bigger that's because of CM Punk they were but they weren't as big as they could or should have been mm-hmm. you know he should have been bringing you that over a million every week guaranteed maybe Agreed. not the million and a half I originally thought but he should have been a big enough name there because he couldn't keep the number consistent that means that there wasn't enough consistent fan base also when you looked at the breakdowns a lot of CM Punk fans would tune in for when CM Punk was on and tune the fuck out right so you weren't getting a residual he was making more money off of his merchandise and such mm-hmm. just gonna throw that out there so but I do believe that Tony thinks that he was responsible for because he was he was responsible for them being bigger not the bigger numbers that they should have been getting and the trending upwards instead of the peaks and valleys. That's what we've said. AEW is, as far as ratings and buy rates and everything, they're the most inconsistent. They're consistently inconsistent is how I'll put it. No, it's a great it, way it, to it goes it. up and down. And it once again, it's just got to figure that out. I don't think CM Punk was the answer. He wasn't. Mm-hmm. 
what the answer is, is try to figure it out and move forward and build some of this talent instead of just stop and go. But I digress. That's a story for another day. I just think it's a bad idea. In closing, before we switch over to happier stuff here in the opening bout for New Japan and stuff, I will say this. Uh, if you're thinking about bringing CM Punk back, just think about one of the things he said before uh, he had his meltdown. And I paraphrase here. I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I'm hurt. And I'm dealing with children. Mm. Oh, I have to work with a bunch of children. Yeah, that's what I have to work with. There it is. Yeah. I don't know if that's the guy you necessarily need while he's having a bad attitude while eating a fucking muffin at a media press event and talking about, you know, things that he shouldn't be talking about. Mm, true. Just throwing it out. True. Well, that's going to do it for that. Let's move on to happier news. New Japan yes. Pro Wrestling had a hell of a show uh, coming out last night as we're recording on Sunday. Of course, it was Saturday, February the 18th from San Jose, California at the San Jose Civic Center. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling presents Battle in the Valley. Are you ready to break this down real quick, Kenem? Can't wait to talk about this card. Well, the first uh, couple matches we did not get to see because we didn't watch the pre-show because we were still watching uh, Elimination mm, Chamber. Yep. But in a pre-show match, Alex Coughlin defeated J.R. Cray- J.R. Kratos in 10 minutes and 7 seconds, and David Finley defeated Bobby Fish in 10 minutes and 6 seconds. Hmm. That would not be the last we would see of one uh, David Finley. We'll talk about that momentarily. Right. Let's jump into the main card. Uh, first up, eight-man tag match. Kushida, Valador Jr., Kevin Knight, and the DKC defeated Mascara Dorada, Josh Alexandra, Adrian Quest, and Rocky Romero via pinfall, 11 minutes, 22 seconds. Great eight-man opener. I thought this was really good stuff. Yeah, very solid opening. Also, very good people in the match. Next up for the strong openweight championship, your champion, Fred Rosser, defending the belt against the Bullet Club's Kenta. And uh, this match got 16 minutes and 31 seconds. At the end of the day, and new NJPW strong openweight champion, Kenta, with a little bit of help from the Bullet Club. More specific, rock hard. Juice Robinson, who I don't think anybody thought was there. I did not expect to see Juice there, but cool moment, and I'm ha- I'm super happy for Kenta. I, absolutely. Next up, we had the NJPW Strong Openweight Tag Team Championships online. Your champions, the Motor City Machine Guns, Alex Shell and Chris Sabian, going up against the former champions, the West Coast Wrecking Crew, Jarrell Nelson and Royce Isaacs. This match got 9 minutes and 21 seconds at the end of the day, and still your NJPW uh, strong openweight champion, tag team champions, that is. The Motor City Machine Guns. This match was a great tag team match. Phenomenal match. Definitely want to see this ram back. I, and if you are not familiar with the West Coast Wrecking Crew, check them out. They're fucking phenomenal tag team. Next up, we have the Loser Leaves NJPW match. Yes, that was a stipulation made yeah. this past week. So the Loser Leaves NJPW. And uh, one of the participants, Jay White, just lost a Loser Leaves Japan match to Hikaleo. So Jay White... Switchblade Jay White taking on the Mad King himself, Eddie Kingston. This match got 19 minutes and 7 seconds. This was the definition of strong style. Yeah. At the end of the day, though, Eddie Kingston defeats Switchblade Jay White. Jay White is no longer in New Japan Pro Wrestling, according to said stipulation. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to say right now, I feel he's Jay White, in my opinion, is coming WWE. Uh, who knows? I don't yeah, know. After, I but, no... but yeah, that was just such a random stipulation we made, especially coming off the heels of you know him fighting Hikalu. That, yeah, he's now officially done, done with everything NJPW. Yeah, that's uh, allegedly. I mean, obviously, this wrestling things could change. But as of right now, that's what we got. Next up was the Filthy Rules fight, which we finally found out the rules to it. Basically, they took the ring ropes down, and it was anything goes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, of course, Filthy Tom Waller taking on the uh, Independent Wrestling Hall of Famer, 
uh, Homicide in the Notorious 187. This match got 16 minutes and 22 seconds at the end of the day. Filthy Tom Lawler comes out on top. Uh, how do you think about this? An American-style match for New Japan Pro Wrestling. This was weird to see for that reason. Like I say, this, this is something we don't see in NJPW anytime soon. But this was a great match. Uh, I mean, what can you say? They were absolutely just killing each other. Next on the card was for the NJPW World Television Championship, your champion, the first ever champion, Zack Sabre Jr., defending the title against Clark Connors. This match went almost a time limit. This match goes, they have 15-minute time limits. If you don't win, you know, the champion retains, but you get another shot at a future time. This match got 14 minutes and six seconds. We were in the final minutes before, via an arm, like a sick Fujiwara arm bar. Zack Sabre Jr. retains and is still your NJPW World Television Champion. This was one hell of a match. And Clark Connors, I, I can't wait to see more of him. I'm surprised his shoulder stayed on. Oh, Because of, of you know, how Sabre Jr. got him in that arm lock. That was just filthy. At the end of the match, Kevin Knight came out on the stage and kind yeah. of uh, put his name in the hat. And uh, Zack Sabre Jr. was like, yeah, I, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and just brushed him off and went to the back. Next was the first of our two main events in the double main event evening for the IWGP Women's World Championship. Your champion and the first ever champion, Kyrie, defending the title against making her new Japan Pro Wrestling in-ring debut, Mercedes Monet. And uh, this match got 26 minutes, 47 seconds at the end of the day. And your new... IWGP Women's World Champion, Mercedes Money. And guess what? This was a hell of a match. This was a fantastic match. I was very happy with what I was seeing. Uh, really kind of surprised at the hardcore style, too. I know that there was the powerbomb through the table from the stage. I was not expecting to see. But great debut for Mercedes Money. Uh, her and Kyrie definitely had a great match. Tore down the house at the end of the day. It was There was a little bit of heel tactics from uh, yeah. Mercedes. But uh, the crowd didn't seem to mind that, and uh, they got to celebrate as the new champion. Of course, Bailey was in the house as well. Yes. Not out in front of the cameras, although there was pictures taken of her, but their supporter friend. That was pretty cool to see as well. Mm-hmm. Now let's go to the main event of the evening, the second of the two main events, that should be. For the IWGP World's Heavyweight Championship, your champion, the Rainmaker, Kazuchika Okada, going one-on-one. Versus the ace, Hiroshi Tanahashi. And by the way, Hiroshi Tanahashi, literally a week ago, lost his front teeth yeah. in some kind of incident at a hotel. I Yeah, I couldn't figure out he what they were saying. But. He didn't really say. Well, that's all he said. Yeah. He said, I lost him in my hotel. Nobody knows how. I don't know if there was a fight. I don't know if he bit into a bad apple. However, by this, they had at least dentures or something. So he had some teeth at this event. Yeah, because the commentating team did mention something about it too. But like nobody got into specifics. It was just weird. Yeah, it was weird. But anyways... This match got 21 minutes and 8 seconds at the end of the day, and still your IWGP World's Heavyweight Champion, the Rainmaker, Kazuchika Okada. And this was a phenomenal match. This is this is a feud that's going on. You have to remember the ace Tanahashi, the young up-and-coming Okada, fresh off of coming back from excursion and not really being anybody, was brash enough to challenge him, and he kind of blew him off and then finally had to wrestle him. And Okada dethroned, in one of the biggest upsets of all time, mm-hmm. Okada dethroned Tanahashi, starting the reign of the Rainmaker uh, going forward and, and now into who, who the Rainmaker is today. Fast forward all these years later, Coming into this match, Okada said to Tanahashi, hey, I'll give you a shot at the belt, but this treat it like your last shot. Yeah. 
And we found out that that meant that Okada says that he's not getting another shot at that belt unless he goes to the bottom and works his way all the way back up because he thinks it's time, basically, in the nicest way to put it, for Tanahashi to be put out to pasture. Mm -hmm. However, at the end of this match, ironically enough, when uh, Okada got on the microphone and cut a promo in perfect English, by the way, uh, this is the first time I've ever heard Okada do anything in English, so that was pretty awesome. I thought he was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like when the first time we heard John Cena speak perfect Mandarin. Yeah. So I was kind of like, oh, man, that's cool that he fucking, he really paid attention. He really did some really cool things. He made mention that uh, he would like to reform the dominant tag team of him and Tanahashi to go after the IWGP World Tag Team Championships. Yeah, didn't understand this one. but That was interesting. Maybe I'm thinking this storyline is kind of that we're putting you out the pasture, but you're still my friend. Yeah. And that leads me to believe maybe the big card possibly is maybe this rebuild for Tanahashi and to have him go on some kind of win streak, maybe win the G1 to set up to some really gigantic match at Wrestle Kingdom, which I'd be okay with because these two have great chemistry. Mm. And Tanahashi is getting up there, so it could be his last gigantic match at Wrestle Kingdom. But I think that he deserves to go out like that if that's his last gigantic match. Oh, agreed. So I think that that's maybe where we're going, possibly. One could hope. After the show also, Mercedes Monet would come back out, and uh, she would cut a little promo before her and the Rainmaker would show off their titles to end the evening for New Japan. Overall, what did you feel about Battle in the Valley, Ken M? Great card. Solid main events, plural. Uh, If you haven't checked it out, I definitely recommend doing it, especially if you've never really watched New Japan Pro Wrestling before. Like I thought they did a great introduction for American fans, too, with this card, because I know a lot of WWE fans were coming over to watch the formerly known as Sasha Banks perform. Yes, and they, I think they took perfect advantage of this. It was a great time. It did go a little late. Yeah. I know I didn't get home until 3 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it did start a little later than it was supposed to. Uh, allegedly, technical difficulties. I really think that they kind of pushed it back, knowing that the main event was going on for WWE mm-hmm. and uh, not wanting to compete with that. So the, they might not have a main event overlapping, because if they would have started at 10, I feel like it would have gotten real close to the time that Mercedes yeah. money fought, and I don't think that they wanted to have those fights overlap, and I don't blame them because obviously we all know that a lot of people who even were interested in New Japan were tuning in. Also, their live audience, probably some of them on their phones were watching mm-hmm. that because that main event for Elimination Chamber was that big. Yeah. So I assume that those were all things going into that. So coming up, it's it's good shit. We're on the road in New Japan. It's going to be cool to see where they go, uh, where we're going to go to next. Now, coming up this week... It's going to be February 21st, and it's going to be at the Tokyo Dome. That's Mm. right. In the Tokyo Dome, it will be uh, Kenji Muda's last match. This is the last dance. We already did the last dance for the great Muda. Now the man himself is going to perform in his last match ever. And they are bringing together all sorts of Japanese companies. Everybody's coming out for this. New Japan Pro Wrestling. Noah, of course, is the company putting it on. All Japan Pro Wrestling. DDT's got representatives. That's And insane. even Tokyo Joshi's got representatives. Are you ready to talk about the card? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, your opening contest, because obviously they give us the entire contest in orders, will be uh, Masa Kitamaya and uh, Dake Inaba versus Yosuke Inamura and Yasusuke Yanu. Uh, that is a Noah match completely. Mm. Next up, the Tokyo Joshi Pro will be showing off so a women's match. Uh, they've got, um, I think it's an eight-woman tag, as Mayo Yamashia and Yuka Sakazaki, Rika Tatsusumami, and Soko Nakajuma take on Maizuki Maya Watanabe. Maki Ito, Yuki Arya. Mm. So that's going to be an interesting be cool match, match right there. Next up, also now in a six-man tag, Pro Wrestling Noah completely, your 
GHC World Tag Team Champions, Takeshi Segura and Satoshi Kojima, are going to be tagging with Timothy Thatcher oh boy. to take on the team of Jake Lee, Jack Morris, and Anthony Green. Hmm. Anthony Green on another big card. Yeah, I was going to say, good for him. Next up is also another completely Noah match is Ida, Ogawa, Haida, Daga, and Chris Widgway are going to take on the team of Atashi Kotage, Yohei, uh, Yoshako, Alejandro, and Juanta Mikawaki. Hmm. Next is a DDT match. As uh, representing DDT on one team, you'll have Shunma Katsume, Kojima, uh, Toy Kojima, Mao, and Yuka Ueno taking on the team of Tatsue Endo, Hideki Okatani, Yua Kokoroa, and Takeshi Masada. Ooh. That's going to be a hell of a match. Yeah. Next up is a Dragon Gate versus Noah match. Okay. Team Dragon Gate, Shun Skywalker, who we've seen mm. recently in uh, GCW. GCW, is teaming with Kai and Diamante, not the female, the male version, and uh, representing Team Dragon Gate. And they're going to be taking on the Noah team of Marafuji, Hiho Del Dr. Wagner Jr., and Ninja Kamikaze Mac. Let's go. Next is going to be an All Japan versus Noah match. Team All, All Japan is going to be Kento Mayahira. Suwama and Yoma Aigoya taking on the team represented the Congo team representing mm. Noah of Kano, Katsuki Nakajima, and Minuba Soe. Okay. So Congo is representing Noah there. Next is a Noah versus New Japan match. By the way, the next three matches are, well, technically including the main event is Noah versus New Japan, but we're not really counting that that way. Right, right, right. But as a Noah New Japan match, we're going to get Nosawa and Mazada. Taking on the New Japan team of Gaido and Taiji Ishimori. So the Ooh. Bullet Club team there. Yep. And then we have two non-title matches, New Japan champion versus Noah champion. So the first one is representing New Japan, more importantly, representing Los Ingrenables de Japón, your reigning junior heavyweight champion, the ticking time bomb, Hamaru Takahashi, is going one-on-one representing Pro Wrestling Noah and the GHC junior heavyweight champion, Amakusa. I'm excited about this so one. So the battle of the two junior heavyweights? Mm-hmm. So we got the junior heavyweights, so you know what's next. Yes. Representing New Japan Pro Wrestling, representing the faction Chaos. Your reigning, undisputed, IWGP World's heavyweight champion, the ringmaker, Kazuchika Okada, goes one-on-one, representing Noah, the GHC heavyweight champion of the world, Kaido Kayamiya. This is going to be something epic, especially the build for this, and even, you know, the one uh, accidental... Uh, the potatoing that turned into a yes, beatdown? Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, that leaves us with the main event that technically is Noah versus... Uh, New Japan, but that's not how it's going to be remembered. Mm. Representing Los Ingrenables de Japón, the leader, if you will, and pro and, and New Japan Pro Wrestling, Tetsu and Naito goes one on one with the legendary KG Muto in his last match ever. How you feeling about this one? Oh man, there's going to be tears. Yeah. I had a little bit of moist eyes when Muda was done, but this is the end end. And it's awesome that he gets to take on, uh, like, storyline stuff aside. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is pretty big things because both uh, Naito and Mudo have both broken kind of character in the storylines here. Uh, because the storyline kind of was the uh, old yeller put one in yep. the back of your head. I respect you, but <laughs> I'm going to put one in the back of your head. To now, uh, Mudo is like, I picked him because... He's a popular guy. He's a very good wrestler, and he's idolized me for a long time. And I felt like he was the right person, you know, to have a main event against that was worth giving my last match to. And Naito shared his honor of being picked to be the last match for the great, uh, the, well, not great Muda, but 
Kenji, yeah, Keiji Muto, one of the greatest professional wrestlers to ever live. So I think that uh, this is going to be very good. I think that this is going to be one of those, you know, I know that Muto said he's going to leave it all in the, the ring. Mm-hmm. He knows this is his last match, so it doesn't matter. You know, body, limbs be damned. He's going to, you know, do what he has to do in that ring to put on a hell of a show. And we know Naito's going to bring his A game because he always does. Yes. I, I anticipate Naito winning. Because I, I think that that's the way you go out usually is on your back. And, but that's not a bad thing. I think this is going to be a great night, and I think it's going to be very emotional for those of us who have been Mudo slash Muda fans our whole lives. Yeah. It's going to be an exciting card, though. So check it out. You can find it on uh, Wrestle Universe. Mm-hmm. So sign up for Wrestle Universe, 699 yen a month. It works out to be five something a month in American. Uh, if you're living in somewhere else around the world, you have to get the conversion rate on your own. Yeah. I do not know it, uh, but that's where you can watch it. Uh, when it goes down this upcoming Tuesday, of course, the replay is available right away is there as well. So I'm assuming they all also end up putting this or part of this card on uh, NJPWWorld.com. I would imagine so, but not sure. Not live, though. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying they, they, they might be putting some of this stuff up. Just like if you do not want to order Battle from the Valley from Fight TV, you can wait a week or so and it'll be on NJPWWorld.com mm-hmm. for everybody. Right now it's blacked out in the U.S. because obviously the event happened here. Right. Well, that's going to do it for the opening card of this uh episode of 607 TWS. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, it's going to be time to hit that indie roundup, talk some game, change of wrestling, some Black Label Pro, preview some Glory Pro Wrestling, and then last but not least, also preview some Impact Wrestling, No Surrender. All of that and more after this break. Before it gets too late for you to run away Where will you go and you start to turn And you see insecurities begin to take control That's right. We are back with this week's mid card for 607 TWS. Gun on the base as always, making it happen, bringing you that mid card theme. And of course, you already know if you're listening to the mid card, the mid card is brought to you specifically. The indie roundup in the mid card is brought to you by our good friends over at Fight.tv. More specifically, Fight Plus for $4.99 a month, you can see a ton of great independent wrestling action amongst other things as well. Mm. But we're here to talk mostly about wrestling, so let's be honest. We're going to talk about the wrestling. You can see such great companies as the ones we're talking about today. Game Changer Wrestling, probably the biggest independent in the world. Easily. Also, uh, you can Black Label Pro, we're talking about them today. Glory Pro Wrestling, we're talking about today as well. Plus, Wrestling Revolver, House of Glory, and AIW, and so much more being added. Plus, there's archives being added, so it makes it real confusing for us as they add them in. They make debuts with them. So it's really confusing to see what we have to order. Thankfully, I keep my eyes on most of these cards. I'm like, we've already covered that. So that's kind of what helps me out in the long run of things. But you can find that all at Fight 
TV under Fight Plus for $4.99 a month. Plus, you get two free fight credits a month that you can use towards buying pay-per-views like we did when we just ordered New Japan Pro Wrestling's mm-hmm. Battle in the Valley. So there you go. It works. It works. You guys are getting it. You're getting all the value in the world. And listen, this is the time of year to join because coming up, we got the collective. Yes. There's like eight shows to do with the collective. It used to cost like 100 Every year, we'd have to pay 150 160 bucks for said shows, and that was a deal. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Now $4.99 a month. How good? Can't How good is that? Your pocketbook will definitely thank you. Yes. So let's talk about some action. Let's start with Game Changer Wrestling. And, of course, they had two big shows this weekend. And the first of the two shows went down on Friday night from Las Vegas, Nevada at the FSW Arena. VXS and GCW present Jimmy Lloyd's All Grown Up in honor of Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy fucking Lloyd's birthday. Yeah. Let's talk about this card, shall we? Opening contest was a tag team contest where East West Express, the JCW champion, the East Coast Ace Jordan Oliver, and the go- young goat Nick Wayne defeated the tag team Strange by Command, RS and Commander, 13 minutes and 33 seconds. And this is the definition of an opening contest. Yeah. This was action packed. This got you into the mood. I don't know how you could complain about this match. No complaints at all. This is amazing. Next up, we had a singles match where the king of wreck shit, Mountain Cole Raderick, defeated Dante Leone, fresh back from Japan, and Noah, 12 minutes and 14 seconds, another banger. Mm-hmm. And after that, we had a, an intoxication match. <laughs> uh, yes, these men were drinking. And yes, uh, these were the perfect two guys to have in this match as Rob Shit defeated Kit Osborne, 10 minutes and 23 seconds. It's always nice to see Kit Osborne outside of New Jersey. Yes, I, I agree with that. Next up, we had a coffin match. Cyclope defeated Matthew fucking Justice, 18 minutes and 15 seconds. And yes, it was as brutal as you guys thought it was, and you have to see it to believe it. Yeah, to put it, it mildly. It, it, it'll it change your life. Mm-hmm. Maybe not for the better. No, no. But it'll it, change your life. No, it'll definitely change your life, though. Uh, a, a, a person we're a huge fan of uh, was back. Jai Vidal defeated Darren Corbin. Yeah. Short match, but Jai Vidal got the job done. Awesome to see Jai back. Speedball Mike Bailey defeated Miedo Extremo, 17 minutes and 42 seconds. Man, Miedo Extremo turned a lot of heads, proving he doesn't just need to do death matches or hardcore matches. He can get it done in the ring. I was going to say, yeah, he's, him and Ciclope are always just considered death match wrestlers. Like, no, they can actually go, and this was a prime example. In one of the most entertaining matches of the weekend, the priestess of the High Church of Pro Wrestling, one of our favorites, Dark Sheik, defeated Santana Jackson, 10 minutes and 57 seconds. This match was entertaining. As yes, well. I agreed. And in your main event of the evening, and by the way, the only part of this was bad was how long it took them to put the barbed wire ropes up. I'm not sure why it took so long. Yeah. But it was it was a long time. It was definitely a By long time. By now, you can get it a little fixed because obviously they've edited the show down. I think if not this week, it'll be edited down so you don't have to wait so long. But in a no ropes barbed wire death match, the birthday boy, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy fucking Lloyd defeated Effie 10 minutes and 25 seconds. Yeah, I wasn't expecting to see this match, but, you know, here we are. Hey, how else to celebrate your birthday besides barbed wire and Effie? Yeah, like that was the whole thing about it. I was like, I was like, we're really doing barbed wire? Okay, here we go. Well, GCW was back the very next night, Saturday night, the 18th of February. Once again, 18th of February had a lot of stuff going on. A lot of what we're talking about came from that day. This was from the Ukrainian Cultural Center in Los Angeles, California. Game Changer Wrestling presents Middle of the Night, their return to L.A. Of course, they'll be back in April, the end of March, beginning of April, because I think the collective starts on Wednesday or Thursday uh, because it's WrestleMania weekend. Thursday. Uh, yeah. It's so you get it all weekend long. It's great shit, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, that'll all be going down from the UCC. Let's talk about middle of the night, though, shall we? Let's do Your it. opening contest was the classic six way scramble match. 
607 TWS's favorite asshole, Tony Deppin, gets the win as he defeated the East Coast Beast, Alec Price, the King of Wreck Ship Mountain, Cole Radrick, Eli Everfly, the birthday boy, Jimmy Lloyd, and star boy, Charlie. This match got 10 minutes and 43 seconds. Great opener. You can't beat a scramble in GCW. I was going to say, nobody does it better. Next up, we had the youth versus the past, if you will. The young goat, Nick Wayne, defeats always ready Matt Cardona. 12 minutes and 27 seconds. By the way, the troll level of Matt Cardona mm-hmm. is no, nothing great. This was a great match, by the way. Cardona hang in there with the young kid. He kept up the moves. Loved the fact that he's putting over the young kids now. Who knows his future? He's on one of those. He's not one of the people we're going to be talking about in the rumors, but he's been rumored for a while. He's possibly going to make a return to WWE. Who knows? Right. But at the end of the day, first of all, the indie god stuff, dressed like Indiana Jones, and yeah. his new get, his stuff says the indie god. I thought that was great, amazing. But after the match, when he got on the microphone and he's like, "Nick Wayne, you're you're here now, but you're going to be one of the biggest stars." And man, I had my WrestleMania moment, but I know that one day you'll have a WrestleMania moment too. Now, mind you, Nick Wayne signed the AEW. Yeah. I think there was the double shot from Cardona. And uh, he said, shake my hand. And I, I caught him in the back, Brett Lauderdale, at the table in the back, gave her the gave the handshake sign and a thumbs up to Nick Wade. Like, yeah, go ahead, shake his hand. <laughs> of course, he shakes his hand. Cardona tries to kick him, but he gets caught. He hits a super kick. But then Nick Wayne tried to go for a little more and beat down the old man with a chair. Low blow. Jordan Oliver had to come out to save the day. But great match and uh, troll level from uh, the one and only. Uh, Matt Cardona is unmatched. Yeah, he's on a whole different level, and it's it's fun to see him, especially in GCW. Like I know we might not see him that much often in the in the near future, but while we got him, he's definitely stepping that game up. When you think GCW, you also don't just think scrambles; you think Extreme Lucha. Mm-hmm. And we had an Extreme Lucha six way dance or six ways tag. Sorry, I said dance. Gringo Loco tagging with Los Vipers, Latigo, and Toxin, and they defeated Arez, Jack Cartwheel, and Mago in seventeen minutes and four seconds. The crowd was throwing money in the ring again. The shit that the Luchas that come in to uh, GCW do, yeah, is is listen, it's insane. I can't even describe it. You have to see it. Yeah. And guess what? We're right around the corner from Gringo Loco's World on Lucha coming up in the Collective. Cannot wait for that. Not that you needed any reason to go get the Collective, but that card could steal the weekend. It did last year. Yeah. And I want to point out this year, uh, I'm not going to go through the whole card because we'll be breaking it down when we get closer. Sure. But I can tell you Commander's on that card, and I can tell you El Hijo de Vikingo is on that card as well. Oh, man. So (laughs) just those two alone. Yeah. Worth the price of any admission. Uh, next up, the JC title was on JCW title was on the line. That's right, the Jersey Championship Wrestling title is on the line. Your champion, the East Coast Ace Jordan Oliver, okay. friend of the show, of course, taking on the Southern Psychopath. Oh, Mancer himself, Mance Warner. This match got 17 minutes and 21 seconds at the end of the day, and still JCW champion Jordan Oliver. But I'll tell you what, the old Mancer again made him work for that one. I was surprised at how much time this got. Not that I was mad about this at no, all, no. But, but I was surprised. But, yeah, this is a great match. We got some good wrestling out of Mance Warner, yeah. which we don't always get. But we also got him bleeding like a stuffed pig. Yes. Uh, Mance Warner is crazy. I love it. You know, he is the uh, king of the eye poke. Yes, he is. And I love me some Mance Warner. Best, best, uh, Second best wrestling entrance of all time. Only behind Spider-Nate Webb with Teenage Dirt. That's Man. true. Because Simple Man, it's the Undertaker entrance. It's great. Uh, next up, we had the uh, grudge match, if you will. And unfortunately, that son of a this bitch, guy. Charles Mason, yeah. 
defeated Alley Catch 12 minutes and 56 seconds, made Alley Catch bleed all over the ring. Man, is there anything that sick fuck won't do? No, I'm fully convinced it, the playbook is wide open, unfortunately. Now, uh, let's get into happier modes. The next up was the GCW World Tag Team titles were on the line. Your champions, Los Macisos, Ciclope and Miedo Experino defending the titles against the Bollywood Boys. It's been a while since we've seen the Bollywood Boys. I was going to say, I can't, I can't remember the last time we saw them. I, the last time I remember seeing it was when they were still in WWE. Yeah, I just remember Randy Orton in the table incident yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, that was the last time I remember seeing them. I knew they were coming back to the Indies or had been taking indie base, but we haven't seen them in Game Changer Wrestling. Right. Guess what? They got a shot at the uh, Los Macisos. This match got 11 minutes, 18 seconds. However, at the end of the day, and still your Game Changer Wrestling World Tag Team Champions, Los Macisos, no surprise there, but had hell of a match, and I, I want to see more Bollywood boys. I'm with you there. Surprised at how good this match was. Next, we had a match that we were all fucking waiting for. Yes. Leo Rush defeats Commander 14 minutes and 34 seconds. You know, it didn't matter who won the match. The fans won because mm-hmm. the shit that Leo Rush and Commander did in this match, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Words can't do it justice. Dude, say what you will about whatever those struggles that Leo Rush went through. I'm glad he's past those. Mm-hmm. He is on another level. He has gone back to the first time I had ever seen Leo Rush when he was younger, killing it. And Commander, probably one of the hottest young up-and-coming luchadors on the planet. Oh, easily, yeah. Next, we had No Heart, yeah. Blake Christian, go defeat Willie Mack, 28 minutes and 31 seconds. And uh, after the match, he continued his streak of proving why he's the biggest POS in all of independent pro wrestling. Yeah. But uh, the Los Angeles cloud let him have it. I haven't seen that much garbage thrown at a ring since Matt Cardona at uh, Homecoming. I was going to say it was very similar to that moment, but my God. I mean, Christian's finally getting over in this sense, so good for him. And that wasn't even it because we had a main event. For the Game Changer Wrestling World's Heavyweight Championship, your champion, the man, the The king, king, the the fucking fucking god God of this shit, shit. Nick fucking Gage. Defending the title against Speedball, Mike Bailey. This match got 35 minutes, 54 seconds. And at the end of the day, and still your Game Changer Wrestling World's Heavyweight Champion, Nick Gage. I want to throw this out there. Speedball got another gear out of Nick Gage. Nick Gage looked like, we we talked about it when he fought the young kids in the tag Mm -hmm. match, him and Tremont. Nick Gage has somehow found the fountain of youth in the last couple matches we've seen him in. 35-minute match, and he looked amazing. Yeah, he kept up. He didn't falter at any point. I mean, he, this is probably one of the best matches I've seen him in recent memory. This is one of the matches that I thought he could possibly lose, too, because if you're going to give the belt to anybody, Speedball, oh, yeah, Mike Bailey. Speedball. But uh, Speedball didn't get the job done. However, at the end of the match, uh, Nick Gage let it be known that he don't care. He will fight anybody, anywhere for that championship because he's a fighting champion, and that brought out one of our favorites, Masha Slamovich, who, of course, you remember, Mm -hmm. she won the Battle Royal. She gets to pick her shot, and she has St. Patty's Day, March the 17th, New York City at the Melrose Melrose Ballroom. Masha Slamovich goes one-on-one with Nick Gage for the Game Changer Wrestling World's Heavyweight Championship. If that card, listen, you don't even have to announce anything else for that card. No. Masha Slamovich in her hometown could end up becoming the Game Changer Wrestling World Champion with her parents in uh, in attendance because when we were at the Melrose Ballroom last time, he had her parents in attendance. It was awesome. Yes. Can't wait for that match. That's going to be out of control. So let's move on now to Black Label Pro, who had not one, but two, two. awesome cards on Saturday the 18th. 
Saturday 18th was packed. Uh, of course, both of them on Fight Plus, and they came to you from Crown Point, Indiana at the RDS gym. Both of them were from the same place. I'm not going to say it again. Yeah. The first show <laughs> uh, was All My Friends Are Enemies. Hell of a name for a show, by the way. Yeah. Want to talk about it? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Opening contest was a tag team match. Twist and Flip, Darren Fly, and Nate Cobain defeated ho- Hog and Dog, Matt Berrigan, <laughs> and Megabyte Ronnie, 10 minutes and 26 seconds. By the way, if you've never seen ho- Hog and Dog, they're fucking great. They're entertaining as hell. Yes. Yes, they are. Next up, we had one of the people that I know we, we, we love, that big motherfucker named Calvin Tankman. He's got a place in my heart. Mm. One call, Manders. Taking on one call, Manders. Nine minutes and 47 seconds. Calvin Takeman gets the win. By the way, we saw a highlight of this match. Calvin Takeman powerbombed that man through a fucking barricade. One of the most wild powerbombs I've, I've ever seen in my life. Oh, yeah. Uh, next up, a guy who I hope gets some more TV time because I miss him being in Ring of Honor, Eli Ism. Yeah. This is the first time I've seen him in a minute on a show. He defeated Aerostar, another great competitor. Seven minutes and three seconds. Great match. Then we had a six-man tag team extravaganza. Uh, Alice Crowley tagging, uh, tagging with the Natterday Saints, Adam Slade and Bradley Prescott the fourth defeated Purple Rain, Purple Rain, uh, Mr. Purple himself, Matt Nix, and Pick and Pop, Darius Luttrell and Coda Hernandez, nine minutes and thirty one seconds. Man, I, I love me some fucking uh, Matt Nix. Mm-hmm. He's a legend. He's the guy that's behind freelance wrestling in Chicago. If you've never seen him, he pay homage. He's getting on in age, man, for an independent guy, but he's still fucking awesome, and I love the dude. So it's good to see him in the ring, and they took advantage of my man, so I'm kind of pissed about <laughs> it. But, uh, yeah, no, nah, didn't get the win. Next up, a man that we know very well from Wrestling Revolver, Crash Jackson defeated Vinny Pacifico, seven minutes and 30 seconds, two big, beefy, meaty men slapping meat, and mm-hmm. we're here for it. Next, we had a tag team match. And when you talk about big, meaty men slapping meat, Isaiah Bronner better come yeah. up. He tagged with Joslyn Navarro, and they defeated the Haven, Jay Onyx, and Sean Knife in uh, 13 minutes and 31 seconds. Yeah, they thought they were going to take advantage of the young lady, Joslyn Navarro. Unfortunately for them, Isaiah Bronner don't play that shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a great match, yes. though. Very solid match. Uh, and a gr- another great match, probably my favorite match of this card, and that's not saying anything against any of their matches because they were all great. Uh, KZ defeated Trey Lamar, 11 minutes, 19 seconds. Both of them are super young, talented dudes. Can't wait to see more of them. Mm-hmm. In a tag team match, we had Aaron Williams and Gary J defeat Miracle Generation, Dustin Waller and Kyleen King, 7 minutes and 58 seconds. Good tag team match. And then we had our main event of this show for the BLP heavyweight title in a street fight. Your champion, Space Jesus, Billy Starks defending the title against Brogan Finley. This match got 10 minutes and 46 seconds at the end of the day and still your BLP heavyweight champion Billy Starks liked this match and I'm glad Billy's still champ. Agreed. This is a great match. Now also coming down that same night later on in the evening from the same place BLP presented Love Stinks. Uh, You ready to talk about Love Stinks Ken? Let's do it. In the opening contest, we had a singles match where Dan the Dad defeated Trevor Outlaw with the Bang Bros in his corner. Nine (laughs) minutes and 58 seconds. Man, I love Dan the Dad. How can you not love him? Uh, In a four-way match, Isaiah Moore defeated Carlos Romo, La Australia, and Trick Davis. Seven minutes and 48 seconds. Good match. Mm Mm-hmm. Next up, we had Aramis defeat Marcus Mathers in 12 minutes and 49 seconds. The young prodigy taking the L. Yeah, I was surprised to see that. Kevin Blackwood defeated Tris Adora in 15 minutes and 55 seconds, and this match was as good as you thought mm-hmm. it was going to be. Excellent I, match. I, one of my favorite matches of the entire weekend, no matter what uh, promotion. Great match. Tris Adora is so fucking good. Oh, yeah. Kevin Blackwood, man. Next level shit, man. 
Uh, next up, the bad boy, Joey Janela, defeated Paul Lee in 11 minutes and 47 seconds. Then we had Ryan Mooney defeat Chase Holiday in 8 minutes and 6 seconds. I love the fact that Chase is back. Mm-hmm. David Young defeated Kobe Durst in 6 minutes and 46 seconds. A little short match, but Kobe Durst uh, ran out of room to run pretty much. Yeah. And then we had the first of the two title matches going down in the co-main event spots. BLP Midwest title, your champion, Big Joshua Bishop mm-hmm. representing them Rip City Shooters going up against the bone collector, Dominic Greeny, and so one of the people who trained him. At the end of the day, nine minutes and five seconds, and still your BLP Midwest champion, Joshua Bishop. Great match. And in the main event of the evening for the BLP Tag Team Championships, your champions, the Bang Bros, August Matthews and Davey Bang, took on Space Pirates, Shane Saber, and Space Monkey. Pirate and a pirate and monkey gimmick, by the way. Wrestling. I love I love Space Pirates, by the way. Yeah. This match got 16 minutes and 47 seconds at the end of the day. Still the BLP tag team champions, the Bang Bros. Very good card. Overall, both of those cards, phenomenal. Yeah, very solid work. I can't I can't encourage people to watch Black Label Pro anymore. Mm-hmm. You should all you should already be out there watching Black Label Pro, is all I'm gonna tell you. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> Well, Game Changer Wrestling is off next weekend. They will be back the following weekend returning to the Carousel Room in Atlantic City, New Jersey for a huge weekend of pro wrestling. And then on top of that, on top of that, uh, we'll have other shows. But this upcoming week, there is a big indie show of a company that we are very big fans of, and we always love to see them do well. So I, I definitely want everybody checking this out because this upcoming weekend is Glory Pro Wrestling, and they are presenting their sixth year anniversary. How awesome is that? So this card goes down this upcoming Sunday, February 26th at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And it will be coming to you from the South Broadway Athletic Club in St. Louis, Missouri. Are you ready to talk about the lineup? Always. Uh, Karam versus Xavier Walker. That's going to be a solid match. Tootie Lynn is going to take on Heather Reckless. That could be a match of the weekend right there, legit. We've got an interesting uh, six-man tag team matchup coming at you as Warhorse, Dan the Dad, and Ethan Price, talk about fan favorites Yeah, here, are taking on the team of Shane Saber, Cody Lane, and Jake something. That That's going to be a fun one for the fans. Blair Onyx will go one-on-one with Jody Threat. Okay. That's going to be a good match. That's going to be a really good match. The Wasteland War Party is going to go in a tag team match against PME. The Philly Marino experience is in some trouble. Mm-hmm. Here's one that we have been waiting for for a long time. And when we, you know, we always talk about, you know, running out of room to run. Yes. Well, we have a number one contenders match. Raheem De La Suede. Ran out of room to one because he's going one-on-one with a man who helped him get into the wrestling business. That would be Davey Richards. This is going to be amazing. The American Wolf Davey Richard, Raheem De La Suede. This has been building up for a minute. Yes. Winner of this match, though, number one contender for the Glory Pro Championship. Yeah. Uh, also, we get a match that we've all been waiting for. Listen. We talk about Charles Mason being hated. Mm-hmm. But if you go around to different places in the Midwest, the most hated wrestler, I have to say, would be Trevor Outlaw by far. Mm-hmm. There's a couple others out Not there, but, but Trevor Outlaw is probably the most hated heel in the Midwest. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Trevor Outlaw might have bit off more than he can chew because Trevor Outlaw goes one-on-one with the Mad King, Eddie Kingston, at the sixth <laughs> anniversary. <laughs> And last but certainly not least, announced so far for the Crown of Glory Championship, your champion, Camaro Jackson, will defend the title against 
Myron Reed of the Rascals. Ooh, that's going to be a really, really fun match. That's going to be a banger. That will be coming up on Fight Plus as part of the Fight Plus package. So if you have that $4.99 a month, you can check out all there is to do with the great card coming up from our good friends over at Glory Pro Live. Now, we need to change gears slightly. It's still on Fight TV. That's why we're putting it here. But it is not under the Fight Plus banner. Instead, you would have to pay for this. Or mm. if you have their YouTube, I do believe it is included on their YouTube package. Yeah, there's, I think this is, there's this, some kind of deal with that. Well, because it's a $9.99 pay-per-view. So yeah. Impact Wrestling has two different levels of pay-per-views. They have their bigger pay-per-views, and right. they have their smaller pay-per-views. And this is one of the smaller ones. So I do think this is included if you have their deal that they have, membership deal that they have on YouTube. Yeah, I believe so. Because I always refer to these shows as like the uh, in the 90s, like the in-your-house pay-per-views. Yes, that's kind of exactly what they are. Well, this is going to be Impact Wrestling Presents No Surrender 2023 going down this upcoming Saturday, February 24th from the Sunrise from Sunrise Manor, Nevada at Samstown Live. So they're returning to Samstown. Love Samstown. I was going to say, you're always nostalgic about Samstown. Yeah, that's, that's home turf for me. 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, start time. Are you ready to talk about the COD? Absolutely. Well, we know that on the we got two pre-show matches that are going to be part of the free uh, hour. So before, there's always a free hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deanna Perazzo will take on Giselle Shaw with Jai Vidal in her corner. And this is also on the pre-show. Brace yourself. We have seen this match now in the Battle of Los Angeles for PWG. And we have seen this match at the Super J Cup. It will be Jonathan Gresham versus Speedball Mike Bailey. On the pre-show? On the pre-show. They are really trying to get people to watch this show. I mean, I, I'm ha- don't get me wrong. I'd love seeing them fight forever, but on the pre-show? Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have a problem with it being being the fact that they have wrestled a few different times now. True. So I think that this is just a good way to get people in the door. $9.99. That would be worth the $9.99 alone. But I'm yeah. telling you, this card's pretty good. Let's run down the card, shall we? Oh, I'm sure, yes. For in a DOT combat match, which I'm not quite sure what that is, for the Impact Digital Media Championship, your champion, Joe Hendry, goes one-on-one with Moose. I love this feud. They've been really building this up nice. Yeah, this uh, this could go a lot of different ways, I think. But I'm going to go with Joe Hendry. Uh, next up, making his, technically I would say this is his Impact Wrestling Redebut since re-signing with the company. Frankie Kazarian goes one-on-one with Khan with Diener, Angels, and Callahan in his corner. Hmm. So they're all there. He's going to have, uh, you know, violence by, by design is going to be, it's going to play into this match. Yes. Please believe me. Uh, next up will be for the ta- for the Impact Knockouts World Tag Team Championship, your champions, the Death Dolls, uh, Jessica and Taya Valkyrie, with Rosemary in their corner, are going to take on the Hex, Allison Kay and Marty Bell making their return, and they're looking to get that goal back. Love the setup they've been doing on this on the show. It's going to be great. Yes. We got a six-man tag team championship up next. It's Time Machine. That is your... Impact Tag Team Champions, Alex Shelley and Chris Saban, the Motor City Machine Guns with Kushida. Mm-hmm. And they're going to take on the Bullet Club. Ace Austin, Chris Bay, and Kent is coming in to be their partner. <laughs> so we are literally going to get a dream match here. Yes. Next up is a four-way uh, match to determine the number one contender for the Impact World Championship. The four men in this match, Brian Myers, Heath, PCO, and Steve Macklin. Ooh. Ooh, pretty good, pretty good lineup. That's there. a solid lineup. I, I I don't even know who to pick. I'm gonna say Macklin. I, I I would pick him, but PCO could be it too. Who knows? I know. Yeah, that's he he could be somebody. To, yeah, I'm not predict. Like I just I don't think just yet. 
That's what I'm going to say. I'm going to go with Macklin. All right. Well, next up is the uh, to determine who they might be facing because it's for the Impact World Championship. Your champion, the walking weapon, Josh Alexander, goes one-on-one with former Impact World Champion Rich Swan. Oh, that's going to be a great match. That should be. I'm, I'm going to say in still. I'll say in still, too. And in the main event of the evening for the Impact Knockouts World Championship, and of course, remember, Mickey James' career is always on the line. Next match she loses, she's done. Really? Even with the belt now? Yeah, that's, that's, they've continued that storyline. Huh. So, Mickey James defending the title against Masha Slamovich. Um, it was a nice career, Mickey. <laughs> I'm sure they can weasel their way out of anything. But. Yeah, there'll be something on there. But no, this is going to be a great match, but I'm calling in new. I hope and new. I love Masha Slamovich. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, she was, as you know, she was my uh, female wrestler of the as year mine. last year. So. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all going down this upcoming Saturday on Fight.TV. And maybe if you have the membership plan on YouTube, check into that because I'm don't. The details on that are usually murky, but the 9.99 ones I thought were always included. So we'll have to get some clarification on that. But it's definitely available for 9.99 on Fight.TV. I'll just shoot a line of dog about that. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of the mid card, and you know we're already going long in this show. And we haven't even hit the main event because we're going to take our final break. We're going to come back, and we are going to break down WWE's Elimination Chamber 2023 and then talk about the road to WrestleMania and some rumors out there on the road to WrestleMania. All that and more when we come back to finish this week's episode of 607 TWS. week's edition of 607 TWS and of course not a, it, there's only one thing that fits in the main event this week mm-hmm. the most talked about event of this past week uh, this past month you know this might this is rivaling Wrestlemania in a lot of ways I don't think it's yeah. going to be the spectacle that is Wrestlemania but it had a lot of buzz behind it let's be honest mm-hmm. this was a big night of wrestling it felt different I mean, I know I stayed, I've been saying I've had a sabbatical from social media. I dive in and out. We, I interact with some people. Don't feel, you know, you can still hit us up. But I've had like a sabbatical. But even when I would dive in for a minute to chat with a couple of our friends, I would see, I've seen a lot of stuff, man. So mm. obviously a big buzz that we haven't seen for a smaller WWE premium live event, if you will, 
in a long time. And let's face it, Elimination Chamber has always been a throwaway pay-per-view for the most part. Absolutely. Uh, well, we're obviously talking about Elimination Chamber 2023 going down at the Bell Center in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. And it went down this past Saturday as we record February the 18th once again. Yeah. Sounds like a date we keep repeating. Huge day for pro wrestling. Yes. Shall we speak on this card Kenem. I can't wait to talk about it. Let's well, go. The opening contest was an elimination chamber match to decide who would get a shot at the WWE Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania 39. Of course, your participants in this match were Carmella, Liv Morgan, Asuka, Natalia, Nikki Cross, and Raquel Rodriguez. This match got 19 minutes and 30 seconds. And at the end of the day, and punching her ticket to WrestleMania to take on Bianca Belair. The Empress of Tomorrow, Asuka. Love this match. So happy to see Asuka facing Belair at Mania. Got to give, though, credit in this match to Carmella. Carmella had a hell of a match. She definitely made it ever. Liv Morgan. Yeah, her and Liv. I, I want to throw this out. Liv Morgan's been killing it. You know, she had the whole push. She became champion. You know, it was kind of weird. Crowd turned on her, whatever. However you want to classify it. And then, since then, she had a hell of a performance in the Royal Rumble, being number two in and being the last one eliminated. Mm -hmm. And now, in the Elimination Chamber, she had a hell of an Elimination Chamber match, you know, making us think that she might make it to the end of the match. Yeah. So, I thought they had two standout performances. I loved how Carmella was hiding in between the pods from everybody. Like oh, I, th yeah. I thought, I thought she just really played the heel role well in this one. Absolutely, and Asuka, of course, had a great oh, match yeah. as well. The new attitude, the new look. I'm here for it. Can't wait to see the Bianca Belair versus Asuka on one of the nights of WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. Second match on the card was a grudge match, if you will, as Bobby Lashley defeated Brock Lesnar via disqualification in four minutes and 45 seconds. These two came out beating the shit out of each other, and then Brock gave him the kick to the dick. Yep. <laughs> Drive home safe, yeah. And then he took out not only Bobby Lashley, but also the referee. Yeah. So I don't know where we're going with Mania, especially with the whole challenge by Bray Wyatt for the winner. I'm assuming th triple threat match at Mania, which I'm not. I, it, it doesn't bother me. No, it doesn't. Bo no, it doesn't bother me either. But I'm just kind of surprised. Like, okay, where are we going to go now? Next up, we had the mixed tag team match where we had the Grit Couple. I hate that name, but yeah. still. Or actually, they started calling the Hall of Fame Couple too, which I, I dig that more better. Edge and Beth Phoenix, and they defeated the Judgment Day team of Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley. Of course, with that little bastard Dominic Mysterio in their corner. 13 minutes and 50 seconds. You know what? This match was was a surprise to me. It's better than I thought. But I'm going to go ahead and let you say what we both thought about the bad part of this match. The bad part about this match was Dominic Mysterio and how much time he was involved in this match. Oh, my God. Like, I understand you're trying to put the kid over. Okay. But this is like forcing him down everybody's throat. This was excessive. And it really took away from the match. Yeah, there's different times in the match where they were, were saying, fuck Dominic. Yeah. And and it just, well, there was wrestling going on. So I think that's a bigger distraction. Like, some people will be like, well, that's a win for him. He got heat. Well, no. no he's taking away no, from no, the no, match. No, no. He's not in the match. No, this was go-home heat. Yeah, it and, was not good. And especially from a crowd that was hot from literally the night before throughout the entire show. Oh, this show. is one of the best crowds I've ever seen. Now, we we yeah. were talking about making an award on 607 TWS next year for the Brodies of Crowd of the Year and how this is the front-running crowd, bar none. Yeah. Next up, we had the men's elimination chamber match for the WWE United States Championship. Your champion, Austin Theory, defending the title in here against Bronson Reed. Damian Priest representing the Judgment Day. Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Gargano. Seth frickin' Rollins. 
and Montez Ford. This match got 31 minutes and 30 seconds at the end of the day. And still your WWE United States champion, Austin Theory. This match was crazy. Uh, breakout performance from Montez mm, Ford. Fully agree. Who did some Spider-Man shit from the top of the cage. Uh, we also had a great performances by Johnny Gargano in this match. Bronson Reed impressed a lot of people in this mm. match as well. I thought that the finishes for this match were great. You know, it took three of them hitting finishers on uh, Bronson Reed to eliminate him. I liked how uh, Austin Theory picked the bones a couple times, proving that that's who he is, and bragged about it during the press conference afterwards. And uh, at the end of the day, I'm assuming, and we're we're getting a little early on the rumor here, you know, the rumor is Austin Theory versus John Cena possibly at WrestleMania. And I'm I'm leaning towards that being the case, and uh, they keep teasing it. Maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't, but I think it's going to be the case, especially after in the press conference, Austin Theory uh, issuing an open challenge on Raw for the United States title, and uh, it didn't take long to be answered because Edge would answer it during the same press conference. Yeah. This... So, Edge versus Austin Theory this upcoming Monday on Raw. Yeah, and a lot of things going on with this match, too. The storyline, especially setting up Logan Paul versus Seth Rollins as well, because when the cage was open for the injury angle, Logan Paul sneaks in. I love that. I was going to say, we should, let's talk about that. Yeah. Towards the end of the match, we had a curb stomp from the outside the ring on the little thing. Uh, you had Montez Ford draped over. He got curb stomped by Seth Rollins, and it looked like he was injured. Yes. They went into injured mode. The referees, all of a sudden, there's help from the back coming in. They're opening the door. We're, we're confused. We're like, oh, shit, is, is he hurt? Is he not? Well, while that was going on, Logan Paul came into the cage and took out Seth Rollins with his own move. Well, at first he gave him a buckshot lariat. Mm-hmm. Then he gave him the curb stomp, and that's what allowed Austin Theory to win this match. And I was like, wow, that was genius. They used the fake injury to Montez to give the reason why the cage door was open. Yeah, it was brilliant. And we we are now solidifying, in my opinion, oh, Seth yeah. Rollins versus Logan Paul at WrestleMania. Fully. I, I, I'm fully thinking that match will get made sooner than later. Of course, it's time for the main event. This is the one we were all here to watch. For the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship, your champion, the head of the table, the tribal chief, the big dog, Roman Reigns, defending against Montreal's own Sami Zayn. This match got 32 minutes and 20 seconds. Who would have called that? Us. Yeah. And at the end of the day, your winner and still... WWE undisputed universal champion Roman Reigns, but that is not the story. Let's talk about this match. This match deserves it. And you know what I'll tell you? There you know you have a great crowd in a great match when the two members of the match don't touch each other for the first 7 minutes. They're just in the ring mm-hmm. and the crowd is giving you you know the Olay chance, the let's go Sammy chance, the fuck you Roman chance. Yeah. Uh, Roman sucks chance like it was loud and thunderous and they didn't even touch and that was amazing they played this up so well that we always kind of throw around the saying big fight feel like this match was the definition of it and especially from the opening gate where you saw Roman was working the crowd and just his mannerisms and like it's uh, you almost think it's a forgotten art at this stage because of how good Roman is but he slowed it down enough to let the crowd build up, and they were at such a rabid pace when they finally connected for a collar and elbow tie-up. Yeah, and the crowd went nuts for they it. Exploded. Like, the, they, they, like somebody won the match. Yeah. I love Roman's pace. We were talking about in an age where everybody tries to get their shit in, tries to be flashy. Roman has this slow, methodical pace. It lends itself great to the crowd. 
they ate it up here. Crowd was booing him. He was getting all the heat in the world. Sami Zayn took everything in the kitchen sink and mm. kicked out. What you know, the heart of Sami Zayn was shown in this match. Even in the loss, uh, this cut people off from saying it. In the loss, he still looked like a million bucks. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it it took it took an USO to interfere. It took well, technically two USOs to interfere. Uh, even though the one didn't interfere, guess but the spear helped out. Mm-hmm. Ended up setting up for Roman and a steel chair for Sami Zayn to lose the match. Yeah, so he didn't lose clean. He lost dirty. Mm-hmm. He got cheated, which is how it should be. At the end of the day, though, we have the post match where Kevin Owens comes to save the day. We got some stunners, and then he moves out of the way so Sami can get a, give another haluva kick to Roman. There was so many great false finishes in this match where people were just hanging on it. Whether it was Roman. Man, Roman, the, the trust that they have to have in Roman, he kicked his shoulder up numerous times within milliseconds yeah. of the three. Yeah, it was it was just insane to see how he was nailing that time in and time out. And everything he was doing in this match, too. And you brought it up when we were watching. He powdered out, running away from as being the yeah, heel. Yeah, for the first time in two years, he powdered away. Yeah. he There was a part where he didn't want any more of Sami Zayn. Yeah. And that was a telling story. Yeah, because that connected so much with the crowd, and then you're seeing just the drama going on with Jimmy Uso sneaking in, hitting three back-to-back-to-back super kicks. Devastating super kicks. Yeah. And the splash. Yes. Setting up, and Sammy still would not give up. And then when Jey Uso finally makes his appearance, and and he's so conflicted, too, he's almost protecting Sammy. Roman doesn't know what to do. Roman gives him the chair. It's kind of like it's kind of Royal Rumble all over again. Yeah. And when Jey is hesitant, you see Roman – Give him the old uh, smack to the face. Face mushes, and yeah. then uh, Sammy loads up a spear, but Roman steps to the side and lays him, and he ends up spearing Jey Uso, so that's going to set something up. Yep, so that's, that's And up that's what the- leads to the chair beat down, you know, the Superman chunch chair beat down spear that ends the match. Mm-hmm. So very interesting storyline-wise. I loved what you had, the emotion. The crowd was into it. crowd went silent. Yeah. That's one of the times when you know you have somebody. When, when Roman won, it was like when Lesnar – beat uh, mm-hmm. Undertaker at Mania. Yeah. So I thought that was beautiful for the people who were like, oh, I didn't like the ending. I'm like, I don't know. They got the crowd. Yeah. And then they brought that crowd. That crowd instantly went to the boo factor. But then they got cheering as soon as, you know, the post-match beatdown with Jimmy Uso and uh, Roman. And uh, out comes Kevin Owens' mm-hmm. music. Crowd goes ballistic. Owens comes and does what Owens does, including giving a stunner to Paul Heyman. <laughs> yes. Somebody, Paul Heyman wanted to pick a fight with – with uh, uh, Kevin Owens, don't brilliant. get it. Brilliant, brilliant. My favorite line though is when Kevin has him cornered and he realizes that Roman's down. He goes, "I, I don't care about him. He, he's he's terrible. Who cares? He's the worst. I you're the best. I love you, Kevin Owens. Like yeah. he's like selling out Roman Reigns because he doesn't want any piece of KO. Yeah, and then he still eats a stunner. Yeah, uh, so good. It was such good storytelling. Of course, at the end of the match, we didn't get the hug like we thought. I love how they teased it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm saying going into – we'll get into that in a second. <clears throat> going into Mania, I think we're in a good spot. It, albeit there's a certain amount of people on the internet that don't think so. I still think that that number is lower. Yeah. Like from what we were seeing, the numbers on everybody giving it an A was way higher mm-hmm. than the people who disliked what was going on. And a lot of them disliked just because of the ending because they wanted Sami Zayn to be champion. I think that when they're like – you know, there's a lot of, in my opinion, people p- portraying their own beliefs on things onto this storyline – and I don't think that is everybody because 
I'm telling you, if you think that Cody Rhodes is going to get booed at Mania because of Sami Zayn, it's not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. As much as you want that to happen in your head, it's not going to happen because we got 41 days from when we're recording, 42 days from when that event was, for that to go down. Mm -hmm. And we've already seen what Cody Rhodes has done on the mic thus far that has changed the wins. Yeah. And it's going to continue to change that wins, in my opinion. So we'll, we'll save most of that for later. Overall, putting a button on it, Elimination Chamber 2023, you're in the hot seat. What were you thinking? Best card the WWE's done in a little while. I got to admit, I gave it an A grade. I thought the storytelling was great. Um, I guess I should probably have knocked it down because Dominic Mysterio, but I'm not going to let that sway me too much. I thought from top to bottom, they really put on a great show, and especially to put it in context, this is a throwaway pay-per-view, a premium live event. We're not supposed to care about this except for maybe one match that sets up something for Mania. But all of these matches had a great story behind it, the crowd was hot from bell to bell and really elevated everything up. Like, this is what you want to have at a premium live event every time out. Listen, man, I'm going to throw it out this. Usually, we the road to WrestleMania is paved, and we know about it at this time. Like you said, it's pretty throwaway. We kind of think we're going. This show moved things forward on the road to WrestleMania. We we got, you know, even though a lot of us picked Asuka, Asuka is now officially going to get a shot at Bianca mm-hmm. Belair at WrestleMania. Yeah. We, got to, we got the finalization of having the Seth Rollins versus Logan Paul match at WrestleMania. We now know that it's going to be Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Mm. And then we have all these avenues we're going to go talk about in a minute on the docket as well. So I feel like it gave you the right amount of questions because it wasn't questions that can't be answered. They gave you the breadcrumbs to where we're going to WrestleMania at this event for a lot of things. And then they gave us three salads. This is where we're going. We are going to get. Paul versus Rollins. We're getting Asuka versus Belair. We're getting, for sure now, Reigns versus Cody. But then there's all this convolution going in, which Mm. is good, because that bloodline storyline that people think for some reason ended did not end. No. It's not over yet. It's not over, and it didn't end just because Sami Zayn and and Kevin Owens are probably going to get the tag titles. We'll talk about that in a minute. Mm. It didn't. That's not the ending that they're getting. No, no, no. The story goes beyond that even. The story is going to get a lot bigger, and we're going to jump into that in a second, but I want to give some due diligence to the press conference. This was the first time the press conference wasn't as great. Mm. Uh, Austin Theory did it all in gimmick, which was the first that I've seen anybody do it in gimmick, Yeah, which is fine. Uh, Edge and uh, Beth Phoenix had a cool little one. Triple H did his thing, you know, gave us the numbers, gave us, you know, whatever. Really put over the history of Montreal. You could tell that he was very um, emotional. Mm-hmm. I think he knew that this was a home run show. And uh, made him emotional, uh, especially when he's speaking about Pat Patterson, yeah. who was from Montreal, and then you know saying how he can see Pat crying at the event if he yeah. was there, and saying how it was beautiful and this is the business, and it made him emotional. I thought that that was very telling. I thought that was very nice of, of Triple H to do so. Uh, I loved his answering of questions, even if it was from people we didn't like. Mm-hmm. Uh, answering the question that I got asked about uh, the company being for sale, right? Saying it doesn't matter to me, and I know that sounds like a cop out, but as long as I get to still do my job. I have the best gig in the world. As long as I still get to do my job and the people behind the scenes still get to do their job and the performers get to do their job, that's all that matters. Now, if the new company comes in and that changes, okay, that sucks. But depending upon who buys it, it's good as long as business stays the same. And that's all we can focus on right now. I thought that was very awesome. And that is really where he is. He has nothing to do with the sale. Yeah, no, I thought he he answered that perfectly. 
So I thought that that was very cool. Also, him uh, talking and putting over Sami Zayn and saying how he's special, comparing him. I said it earlier, but he compared him to Cactus Jack or Mick Foley mm-hmm. and said that he has this connection with the crowd that's unbreakable and that's really cool. And uh, I'm ha- he's happy he came into his own and and all of that. And this is a great moment for him. Uh, he went on to talk about you know how you know you guys haven't seen anything yet. This was a huge deal. He goes, normally we don't have an event that's as big as WrestleMania, just a normal event. Here it is. This was gigantic, and that's got me real excited what's coming up because you guys don't even know this is the biggest wrestlemania and i keep saying that for a reason and then you turn around and you have him and bring out Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn went last not triple h Mm -hmm. good little handshake and i i really think the one telling thing here and i and we talked about this before going on air and i i'm gonna bring this up he seemed a little out of place and Mm -hmm. i don't know if it was just because he got out of the ring but a lot of these people in these interviews just got out of the ring yeah and he kept using the word i feel strange and i feel detached and i feel you know, it was very weird and telling, and I have to watch the match back before, you know, I'll have a different opinion. And you're like, but why can't you just answer the question now? And in that moment, I think we both had the same thought, and I'll let you speak on it too here in a second. In that moment, I kind of went, honestly, this is why he's not going to be world champion. Not right now, at least. I'm not mm. saying he'll never be. Right. Because I think that, I think, and I'm going to give a little more of an example of that, but like the fact that you can't handle the press and you can't answer the questions. That is an important part about yep. being champion. And I, I really think that they're looking for the total package in a champion. I think that that is a strike against him, unfortunately. And that's something that he just needs to work on. What were your thoughts? I fully agree that at this moment in time, I completely understand why they didn't give him the belt. Because when you saw him at this press conference, I thought he tipped his hand a little bit at the end of the show before they went off air. And you saw him that he was on the top rope just drained and everything poured out of him. And it's like he knew right then and there that there would be no other moment as far as pro wrestling goes to be as big as the one he's in right now. And to go like now you're going to close down the media scrum before WrestleMania and just how much emotion was in him that he really looked uncomfortable up there because he's just like, oh, this feels strange, this feels strange. I think in just that moment, it just sunk in like you've now hit the top of the mountain as far as you know where you were going to be going in this industry. And it's not to say that he can't be world champion. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying as far as what they're looking for is being the face of the company who can go on to the talk shows and, and talk to everybody, have a camera put in their face and be fine and talking – Cody is a stronger candidate for that than Sammy is, but it's not to say that Sammy wouldn't be back down the road. Well, I'm going to like take this detour, and I, I hear a lot, and this is where we're going to get into the road to WrestleMania and some rumors and stuff that we've been hearing and just kind of speculating uh, for everybody because obviously it's, we got 41 days from this recording to hit WrestleMania, so until we start previewing it for real right before and everything else, which I'll get to a, a little later, that's going to be the announcement at the end, I think that you know we're in a good position to say this. Sami Zayn is very good. He's coming to his own. Triple H even mentioned that in the in the past nine months, we've seen a growth in Sami that none of us thought was there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's always been a good hand. He's always been a great worker. He's always been the fun guy. But he's now able to elicit whatever, you know, emotion he wants out of the audience. And that's something that, you know, you're not just born with. I think right now, and mind you, I think Kofi Kingston was, is better in front of a camera because he is. Mm. You know, we saw him do all the right things when he was champion. But I think right now, as it stands, 
there's some the comparisons that everybody keeps making and the the the, the crowd the pro Sammy crowd if you will which I'm not saying any of us are anti Sammy sure because I'm sure the hell not anti Sammy I'm, I'm not just saying anti Sammy the people who are Sammy are bust and they they keep saying the things about this and and if that's you that's fine you got to understand everybody keeps comparing him to Daniel Bryan aka Bryan Danielson but mm. this is Daniel Bryan yes movement and I would say that he's not that. He's more akin to Kofi Kingston and the and the Kofi Mania. And here's why. Daniel Bryan with the Yes movement, you gotta remember the Yes movement went on for months. Yeah. And years actually. Because think about it, Team Hell Yeah was it was a it was year. Over a year before the they hijacked the show. It was over a year before the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. So the Yes movement had been around for a while. Yeah, even to like the Diego Sanchez UFC time. Exactly. That's where and then they were doing it in Oregon uh, football games. Yep. The Yes movement was there, folks. He was a cult- cultural phenomenon for a long time. It still is. Do you still chant fucking yes for, for Brian Daniels? Oh, yeah. The thing of the matter is, is that when he connected, he connected fully. And he gets it done in the ring. He also gets it done on the mic. Believe it or not, outside of the ring, he doesn't do a great promo. He, we will never say Brian Danson is the best promo in the business. He's not terrible, but he's mm. not the best. But he's great in front of newscasters. He's great in front of the media because he knows what to say. He knows what to do. He speaks with passion. And that's something Sammy has to learn. But that's not take that all off the table. Yeah. It wasn't an overnight success. It was... The Yes Movement had been around for over a year, and then that happened, and like and then he became champion, all that. And then it continued, and he continued to do big things, and then his career got cut short. He came back, and it continued on because, once again, the fans never left him. Right. The problem is the reason why, until proven di- different, Sami Zayn's had a nine-month run here, and it wasn't the whole nine months. We go back and act like when he joined the bloodline, it was the storyline we have now. Yeah. The storyline we have now was only really built up right before War Games. War Games. I mean, he was getting hot and fun, and that's where we got the feeling oozy and shit like that mm-hmm. over the summer. And that's where a lot of people started having it fun and whatever. But, like, where we are now with people clamoring for him to be champion didn't start until after Survivor Series. Yeah. So it's not like this is, like, some phenomenon that started, like, fucking the entire nine months ago or years ago. Like, you know, Brian Danielson. Next up, just like Kofi, he had that big moment. Now everybody wants him to be champion. What happened? We did do that with Kofi. As a matter of fact, he beat Brian Danielson. Yep. We do that with Kofi. I was there at Mania 35. I was part of that pop. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. But we always tell people, what will happen? Two months later, that same crowd, half of that same crowd that was all for Kofi Mania, Flipped. why is he champion? A month after that, three quarters of that crowd. By the time SummerSlam rolled around mm-hmm. and he was still champion, People were begging for Randy Orton to become champion. Yeah. The reason why most people don't remember that is because people were pissed off when he lost it to Brock Lesnar in a short period of time on SmackDown. It wasn't as much as that he lost it. They just didn't want Lesnar to be champion. Right. But Randy Orton, people were begging for the heel to take the title off of him. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you, do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Seven, am, am I making this up? No, you're absolutely right. It's just unfortunately that that underdog story goes so far, but once the underdog crosses over to be – the the favorite, then it's a fine line to walk. Well, as you know, my question, then what? Yeah. Then then what? Then what do we do? And here's the thing. Do I think that Sami Zayn could be a Brian Danielson? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, he could. Do do I think he's doomed to be the, that Kofi title run? No, no, no. However, this is not the time. As much as people love to think that this is the hottest time for him and that's when it should happen and we should have gone for the cheap pop, that's what we did for Kofi. What did it do for Kofi? He's not smelling that title belt. No, I was gonna say he hasn't gone near that, and he's just been in the tag team division since. And then my and then my argument would still be: then you ruin 
a, a, a storyline that transcends wrestling. Mm-hmm. It, it transcends WWE. Yeah. Every wrestling fan is interested in Cody Rhodes. Every wrestling fan is waiting. Not to mention he checks all the boxes. Let's be honest. The guy is the the guy is fucking charismatic, and he mm-hmm. does it done in front. Of, and I, not leave that aside. Just the fact, storyline to storyline. There's no way. And yes, the bloodline storyline's great, and it is one of the greatest of all time. I'll give it that. And it's not over, by the way. We're going to talk about that in a second. It's not over. Right. It ties into Cody's storyline because it's going to. The fact of the matter is, is think about it right now. What I think we're building to, what we're probably built to, is is the Usos versus Sammy and Kevin Owens at Mania for the titles. Mm-hmm. But the story there is also who's getting along. Yeah, Sammy and Kevin are on the same page currently. Right. Do I think they will be by Mania? Probably. Mm-hmm. The Usos are also not on the same page currently. Right. The bloodline is in shambles. There's a lot going on with that storyline. That storyline's not ending. It's not over. You're still going to have Kevin Owens and Sammy while they fix their stuff, causing problems for the bloodline. Mm -hmm. We're still going to have the Usos with their infighting and the bloodline falling apart from the inside. Yeah. And then all while that's happening, Roman's got a date at Mania Mm -hmm. against a guy who he's already said is a legitimate threat to him. Yeah. So now he's got this. Now he's got his family stuff. He's got the fact that he hates Sammy Zayn for what Sammy Zayn did to him, what he perceives Sammy Zayn did to him. Remember, this is all in his head. Oh, yeah. And he's taken his family away from him. He's, he's destroyed the island of relevancy. And here he is, and I got to deal with this shit. But at the same time, I got a guy who can beat me for my de- title, in his own words, mm-hmm. waiting in the rings on that night yeah. to do the impossible. And all he has to think about is beating me. All I have to think about is a million things. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful story that's going to tie into each other. You're going to see on Raw. I, I will bet money on Raw when this comes out before, because this is coming out before. I will I will bet money on Raw that there will be some kind of interaction between uh, Cody and Roman. Mm-hmm. And I think that it'll Cody will probably say how he was, you know, rooting for Sammy, because remember the pep talk last week. And, you know, you know, honestly, you know, Sammy deserves another shot, blah, 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 blah. He's going to play fan service. Rome is going to cut him off either that or on SmackDown and say, hey, listen, I know exactly why you're rooting for Sami Zayn because you know you can beat Sami. You don't know that you can beat me. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm the problem. Makes sense. And that's how it's going to work. And we're going to sew all of this up. But once again, we've talked about it before, and that's why I'm not going to dive too deep into it. When you end up with the final product and you end up with the Usos versus Zayn and Owens for the tag titles, and then you end up with the main event being Roman versus Cody. Mm. And for the first time, not only is all this stuff going on in storyline between the bloodline and that whole thing over here, and then there's this whole separate storyline, so Roman's torn between two. He said it a couple weeks ago, I'm being pulled in two directions. Right. Not only is that going on, but he won't have his backing. Because mm-hmm. his backing is going to be busy. His backing is going to be getting beat up and beat down by Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. So the story is all together, guys. And it's going to be a beautiful story that ends. And if you think, I'm sorry, if you think, I, I can't convince anybody, if you think that Cody Rhodes is not going to get a massive pop when he defeats Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, I don't know what else to tell you. Yeah, it's just a puzzling thing that the fans are running with this crazy narrative that Cody has already been forgotten about. It's like, have you not listen to the promo he cut this past Monday for the nine minutes that completely changed the trajectory of this feud. And it allowed Sammy's feud to stay intact, but also build his own. 
Like, that's the beauty of what they're doing right now, and that's why fans are tuning in to watch this. This is true storytelling. I don't want to say long-term storytelling because I think that phrase is just overused. But if you think about it, since Cody has arrived in WWE, this has been building towards him. And the Sammy thing is a nice surprise. And for somebody that works his ass off, I'm happy to see him in this role. But his story is going to play out a little differently, but it's still going to be just as impactful. And, and I just want to throw this out there. Here's here's why, how I think some things are going to happen, mm-hmm. folks. And this is just me thinking. It does not have any evidence. Right. It's just me thinking. And maybe Sammy and Kevin don't win the tag titles. It might not happen. It doesn't. You know, they don't have to win. Here's what's going on. I I still think that they're going to try to separate the belts. How they separate the belts is simple. Cody wins. And he relinquishes the Universal Championship. Mm-hmm. He goes on Raw and he makes the statement. Now, mind you, you have to be careful, but if anybody's going to do it, it's Cody. And he's going to say, hey, I dreamed of being WWE Champion, so I'm going to keep this belt. However, I think it's unfair. I'm not greedy like Roman Reigns. I'm not a piece of garbage like Roman yeah. Reigns. I want other people to have opportunity. So I'm going to send this belt, the Universal title, back to SmackDown. It's no longer held hostage. I'm going to send it back to SmackDown, and they can decide on who becomes the new champion. You might still end up with Sami Zayn as SmackDown champion Mm -hmm. in the Universal title. You still might end up with it, but you still get your feel-good moment with Cody. And it's even more if he brings back the winged eagle. That's a whole other rumor for another day. Fingers crossed on that one. But, you know, when I say it transcends wrestling, and I'm not going to get it once again, just a little briefly, the son of Dusty Rhodes, Mm -hmm. one of the most legendary figures to ever do it. He needs to prove that he's paying homage to his dad, doing something his father never did, and in the same guess, making himself his own man. That storyline touches a lot of people because it's it's kind of a human thing that we all go through, right? Mm-hmm. On top of that, let's take that t- to take that another step further. He wants to prove to the wrestling world that he isn't just the son of Dusty Rhodes. He's not just his own man, but he is the main eventer that he was supposed to be. That when he left and he created the American Nightmare, and he's very, very excited and happy about you know how that happened. And when he went and put it all on the line to create a wrestling company, which he did say in a recent interview, mm-hmm. and, he, and he gambled on himself. When he's coming back and when certain people didn't think that he should be the champion in the main event, and he didn't name anybody, but let's mm-hmm. be honest. Yep. But he was in Vince at one point too. Yeah. And now here I am. I'm going to main event WrestleMania, and I'm going to have this swan song. That storyline touches more people than than the, the lovable loser yeah. finally getting his you know comeuppance, which I'm sure he can still be in the title picture. And that's the I also think this bloodline feud with Sammy and Kevin ain't going to end anytime soon. I've I told you before, and we said it on this program, I see a way that you can actually make it all the way to War Games. Yep. And have it be intriguing because it's so many layers and it's still so fresh. So to think that just one match ended a feud or a storyline, that's not how it works, man. No, I just think that there are so many people that have fallen in love with the storyline that they don't want to see it end or they want that happy ending. But it's like, let the story breathe. And I'm sure we'll get to some happy resolution for everybody. But let's be honest. Elimination Chamber is great. The road yeah. to WrestleMania is looking great. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm along for the ride. I can't wait to see as much as I can see. And I can't wait for WrestleMania. I, I, I love WrestleMania every year. I'm one of those people. I grew up on WrestleMania. Even when I stopped watching WWE, I still watched WrestleMania. Mm, same. And, and, and I'm, I'm excited for WrestleMania. And it's going to be, I believe, Triple H. It is going to be the greatest spectacle of all time and the biggest WrestleMania of all time. Just look where we've already got. And we're still building more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got two days of it that we're going to build more to. And there's all these things going on. And then you add in the rumor mill. 
Yes. And I'm not saying that everything in this rumor mill is going to happen. Right, right, but it right. it would be dumb of us not to say, and I don't think some of this is going to happen until post-mania. Sure. This, there's gonna, this could be the return of the greatest Raw after Mania of all time. Remember, last year wasn't that great, and the year before wasn't that great. They, they kind of fell off on you know the Raw after Manias. I think this could be the year. Mm-hmm. And it, only if some of this is true. Because right now there is a heavy, heavy amount of rumor and innuendo going around from very reliable sources. Yes. And let's touch on some of them. We know that there's a possible free agent named Jay White. Mm-hmm. We don't know really what his deal is because we thought he had a contract for a little longer. That's what Uncle Dave kept preaching. But all of a sudden, he's in a loser leaves J- Japan match, and then a loser leaves New Japan match. I don't know where you put him. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't know if that means his contract's up. And if so, we hear that WWE is a suitor. Or did WWE just go to New Japan because they've been working together, and we didn't get an entrant in the Rumble, but did they say, hey, listen, we might be interested in this guy? It's quite possible. And they went, okay, you know, you're interested in that guy, and we're interested in a business dealing with you. You know, we, you know, you gave us a little leeway so we could work our deal with Mercedes. Mm-hmm. On top of that, you gave us some talent, and we can work some out things out in the future. And in return, we'll help re- if he's interested in going, which he might have been. Mm-hmm. We'll help that happen. Yeah, that could be the thing. I'm not saying it is, but it could be. Once no, again, but it this makes is sense. all rumor this is a, speculation. This is all speculation. Putting a number on it, the Jay White thing is 50-50 for me because I don't know what's going on. In real life, I don't know what's going on. I'm going to say 75%. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. All right. Another name that we know is a free agent, and that is a man who has worked for WWE before, well, on a very small basis in a Cruiserweight Classic, Kota Ibushi. He is heavily, heavily being talked about going to WWE. He's already turned down an AEW deal Mm -hmm. for big money, according to him. And that was an interview last week. So lots of rumors say that he's a lock to go. I would say he's a little more of a lock. I'm going to say he's 70%. I'm going to say 80%. Oh, wow. All right. But I'm going to say he doesn't go main roster. He goes to NXT. I don't know. I think he might go main roster. I think, they, I think, they tre- I think they're going to treat him like Nakamura. Well, see, here's the thing. I think they would, but I don't think. But then again, he went to NXT too. Yeah, but I've also heard rumors, though, he's interested in coaching. And then that's a big part of that. Then maybe that's that's why he'll go to NXT. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. He'll go to NXT, especially when they start doing the call-ups, which have been heavily rumored. I know we're not going to get into those today. No. But with all the call-ups that are rumored, if he can go down there with some new talent and really work with that, I mean, and just with the camp they already have down there now. Of course, the big name that's looming, and I've even pitched some other things, FTR. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's looking like they're almost a lock. If mm. you're going to ask me on this whole list what my lock is, Barring some weird sale to some people that they don't like or Vince coming back and taking the role from Triple H, which is not happening, is what we can tell. Mm -hmm. Barring anything like that, I think they're locked and loaded. Because as long as Triple H is in charge, Edge is there, he's their mentor. We saw the Shatter Machine at at Elimination Chamber. That was definitely homage to his Mm -hmm. boys. Because remember, he helped train most kids and you know they helped him when he was getting back in the ring when they weren't even with WWE anymore. So my point is, I think we got, I think we might have the FTR. On the way back, as the revival, Shatter Machine returns. Mm. The revival name returns. Uh, I've even pitched to you at one point. I was like, well, if they don't do Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, if they do something else, or even if they do one night, what if, you know, we know it's April. We don't know when in April. I don't know if it's April 1st, because if it's April 1st, as soon as night two of WrestleMania, they could be a surprise a la Cody Rhodes to come out and challenge for those titles or at least make an impact. Okay, I'm going to pitch this idea. 
We know that SmackDown was doing a separate tournament for the tag team titles to the number one contender at one point, right? Yeah, yeah. So what if they kind of amp up the stakes a little bit and they make the Usos defend both belts on both nights? So night one would be Kevin and Sammy. For the SmackDown titles because they're on SmackDown. Right. Well, we still got the Raw titles. You know, we're still champions. We're still the best in the world. And all of a sudden you hear, say, yeah. And out come the FTR. It's a possibility, uh, depending upon when their contract's up. Yeah. Dep- but I do hear, I thought April 1st was what I heard. I could be wrong. That's what I heard as well, too. If not, later in April. But uh, So it was not Mania, but still, I think that's close to the lock. Now comes the interesting one. Uh, well, two interesting ones. One that we've heard about, but we do not know when his deal up. I do know it's in spring. Don't know when. Hangman Page. Mm-hmm. I've been saying it for a while. I, I think, well, the, Tony was paying attention to MJF and other people. They have done nothing in his entirety time of an AEW, including when he was in champion, but make Hangman and Page feel like an afterthought. Mm-hmm. I I have said it. I've gone on the record, and I still stand by it. And I should say he's up, up there on the lock level of FTR. I think he's as good as gone. I think he's WWE bound as soon as that contract is up, whenever that is this year. Just throwing that one yeah. out there. No, he's got to be gone. I mean, here, here's the one situation. When AEW first started, he was supposed to be in that John Cena-esque role. He was supposed to be the big baby face. He was supposed, he was to, supposed to be the guy that they were going to build around, right. baby face-wise. Yes. And you pushed him, and I know you, you want to talk about They treat him like a drunk. Yeah. You, you pushed him in a very awkward storyline. You brought it back when you decided to do the long-term booking, quote-unquote, with him and Kenny Omega, which was, I will admit, one of their better storylines. Very good. It yeah. was very good. I'm not going to lie. But after that, where did you go with him? And I understand he's had some injuries, sure. But at the same time, he's fallen off. And I understand that you're really trying to say he's still a big name, but he doesn't come across that way on your programming, in my opinion. Agreed. That's going to bring us to the real interesting one, the juicy one at home. And if you guys have been paying attention to the internet in the past 10 days, which like I said, I haven't been on, but there's article after article. There's a lot of things out there. And this is what I was referencing when I said smoke. And that would also help with Hangman Page to the return of CM Punk, if you will. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of out of nowhere. And this really came up. And I know me and you chatted when it first came up. And we didn't say what we were talking about, about two weeks ago. Yeah. And then it started to get bigger and bigger. There's these rumblings. That, and we know that Kenny Omega didn't sign an extension. Mm-hmm. His deal is up sometime in the spring, Yep, just like Hangman Page. And there's all these rumblings that he's WWE bound. Like, there's people who allegedly know him, Kota Ibushi included, and hence why Kota's thinking about going to WWE, that are saying that Kenny Omega is done with the shit, he's not happy in AEW, and he's leaving. I don't know if this is true. I don't know if that's the case. But it's weird that, that around the same time those rumors came up, the CM Punk return rumors came up too. So I don't know if there, where there's smoke, there's fire. This one I'm tentative on because I don't know. On one hand, I think it's I, like I'm favoring it not to be favorable. Mm-hmm. I'm saying it's like a 30%, 40% chance because I don't ever saw how to say zero yeah. that he'd go to E. The thing is, though, for a guy who is so into his legacy, mm-hmm. and he is, he talks about it all the time. In, like, real situations. And he's a nice guy. Don't get me wrong. I've never heard somebody say Kenny Omega's a cocksucker. Sure. And here's the thing. He he talks about his legacy when he's on Twitch. He talks about it in, you know, interviews with other outlets. Not just in wrestling. What is a bigger legacy than trying to main event WrestleMania? And being WWE champion. And I'm not saying that because I'm a mark. But when you look at people in the business, 
they dream of usually one thing, mm. and that is holding the WWE Championship at the end of WrestleMania. That is the dream. Not everybody can reach that dream. Cody Rhodes even kind of talked about it in his promo. Not everybody reaches that dream. But that is one thing that people aim for. With Kenny Omega, he might not get that dream. But in WWE, he would have a WrestleMania moment. He would get to prove that, you know, he would have those interesting matches against AJ Styles, mm-hmm. against Cody Rhodes, against Seth Frickin' Rollins. There's a lot of interest. And I think as a competitor and as a human being, I think that plays in. The question stands, though. I think that overall he would prefer to stay with AEW. I just think that there might be part of him, with all that's happened, that might be done with the luster. Remember, he had a falling out of the gaming stuff. Yep. Very publicly when he was shitting on their game. It's now still not giving us a release date. Yeah. He's very. He's been very clear that he shitted on that because he didn't like the direction. Mm-hmm. He didn't like when they took him off of the women's division. Yep, and became whatever it became. So there's a lot of things that have bothered him, and then the CM Punk issue. I'm I, saying there could be a smoke. I don't know if he'll leave or not. I'm just saying that's what we're hearing all of a sudden out of nowhere. That's been the big rumor reported from the biggest name. Even Dave Meltzer said it. Mm-hmm. Dave Meltzer said that. As a matter of fact, Dave Meltzer at one point said he's hearing that he's as good as gone. I'm gonna say fifty percent. And I'm going to say it could literally go either way, but it all depends on, one, since he had that time off for his surgery, if they're going to add time back on his contract or whatever, like whatever the legality portion of that is. But I think that if he has the opportunity, I legit think it's 50-50 because he is somebody, like you touched upon, is, is more concerned about his legacy at this stage. And if he has seen what Cody Rhodes has done since he left, and I'm sure Kenny Omega is sitting there going, what have I been doing over here in comparison to what I could be doing over there? And I'm sure that that is playing a big factor. Now, if Kota Ibushi does go sign there, I think that's even a bigger factor. And I think that could sway it up even more. But it all depends on what they want to offer him in comparison because now he's been relegated to the six-man tag trios division. He's not the best bout machine, even though we have seen him in singles matches, and he has brought that back out. I was going to say, we saw him at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. So it's. I think that that bug is still there, and I, don't, and I think just personally watching how things have looked as a fan, I don't think he's happy with the direction of things over there. I think a lot has to do with the CM Punk media scrum. I think that might be just like the tipping point for where his frustration is. I think that was the straw. Yeah. I think if, if anything, that's the straw, if, if it comes down to it. I think there was a lot of irritations before. Mm-hmm. He he's a very he's he's been vocal about some of his irritations. You know, not taking direct shots or burying anybody. No, no. But he's said some things. You know, yep. he, you know, he's been professional. But you know, he's not exactly happy. Yeah. And then that happened. I think that really went well. Fuck you. And I think that he was the one guy in that room. And because you know he wasn't the guy that was there originally. It was the Bucks, Cody, and Tony. Mm-hmm. He was the guy they brought in because that was their boy. Yeah. And I don't, so I don't think that the, the relationship between him and Tony is as strong as it is with the Young Bucks mm-hmm. or even with Cody. And we know how that ended up. Yeah. Uh, he won't talk about it, but let's be honest. We know there was a falling out. So with that, I think that he sat there and I think that out of all the people, and that's why he's the one that got focused on as far as the, the brawl, if you will, mm-hmm. or whatever you, the slap fight in the back, pretty much is what I've heard. Yeah. Uh, he was the one I think was really probably pissed at Tony because he sat there. Like I said, he sat there and allowed CM Punk to do that. Mm-hmm. He sat there, didn't say a word, while CM Punk went into business for himself. 
To be fair, he didn't uh, he, he didn't say a word publicly when Hangman Page went into business for himself either. Right. He doesn't say you know. So unfortunately, he created that problem. And I think that there's some re- there, there's some resentment, especially from Kenny Omega there. I think mm. personally, just seems how it comes across. That's his body language. Yeah. It'll be very telling to see what happens with those trio titles. Yeah, because I do know that they're supposed to defend them at Revolution against two. I don't know. Like they're teasing uh, House the of uh, House of Black, but they're a member short. Because at last I knew, Buddy Matthews didn't resign. No, I, I thought he came in for something though. So, I, but I'll he even... might come in for a deal. But yeah. I'm just saying they might even have to add somebody new. I, I'm just uh, saying. Oh, I right. don't know if he's going to E or not. I'm just saying I know that he's he he was already saying he was going to be a free agent. Period. Yeah. No, I already tell you it would be House of Black with Eddie Kingston. Because of how they're doing their feud. Probably. Yeah. Reasons. Yeah. Plug and play. Yeah. But, I mean, if they drop those belts, might be telling. Oh, I think so. I think it's going to be very telling. Who knows? I, I'm just saying, I, I I think there's a lot of interesting stuff coming down that road. And it goes both ways, but you're now hearing less guys talking about going to AEW. Mm-hmm. And we said this was going to happen. This is the one thing, and it's not its not an insult. It just happens to be that way. Right. We said when everybody was on top of it, oh, everybody wants out of WWE and they want to go to AEW. And we were like, hey, wait, it's going to happen the other way. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. AEW is the greatest, and that's yep. what people kept telling us. And we're now seeing it ain't because they're not taking care of business, in mm-hmm. my opinion. And that goes back to what we said in the first segment. Tony needs to focus on his company and stop focusing on bullshit. No, facts. And stop backing the wrong people. Because right now, when you're hearing the wrestlers complain, they're complaining about the same people mm-hmm. and the people he's backing, his quote-unquote pillars, if you will. Yeah. And it's not even the pillars they put on a T-shirt because those aren't the ones he's backing. It's other people. There's people that he just bows to the knee to, and he shouldn't be doing that, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I agree. And a lot of people's my opinions. Opinion too. If Right now, honestly, I'm going to be honest with you. If your name's not fucking John Moxley in that company, you're expendable. If you are, If I'm running AEW. Yep. And I'm not saying I want to get rid of guys. I'm, I would no, figure no, out a no, way no, to build no, guys. But, but if you have a bad attitude and you don't want to fucking be here, unless you're John Moxley, I'm not here to make you happy. Yeah. Chris Jericho to an extent, because obviously main value. But John Moxley is the heart and soul. If I have John Moxley and I have guys who want to work and guys who want to be here, I can build guys into that division. And that's what they should be doing. Mm-hmm. And that's what they should have focused on. But instead, you had the FTR. And if the FTR leaves, it's a direct response from Tony. Yeah, because Tony didn't treat them the way you should treat the top act in wrestling. Mm-hmm. The top tag team in the business, nobody's arguing that currently is is the revival, FTR, whatever you want to call them. Number one contenders, how many months? Yeah, and guess what? They didn't get shit. Mm-hmm. And they got they came in to do the job to the Bucks. Bucks ain't going anywhere because they know that they're not going to be able to dictate what they do anywhere else but AEW. Right. And I like I said, it's it's one of those situations where you shouldn't have focused on that. And I'm not saying anything against the Bucks because that's fine. It's all well and good. But, like, you should still nourish the other people. Mm-hmm. The fact that the Ass Boys are your tag champions says a lot to me about what you think of your tag division. Yep. It's just like what we talked about when they were putting on the women's matches and not giving them time and not doing things with them until recently with Jamie Hayter with the belt. And even now, the storylines are still not there. It's an afterthought. Mm-hmm. And the tag division has become an afterthought. I'm sorry. If you, do, if you believe I'm wrong, I don't know what to tell you. The once most fabled division in all of pro wrestling. Yeah, no, it's become an afterthought. So, in closing, Tony's got to do a lot of work because there's a lot of rumors of a lot of people that are big names leaving his company. And I just said that they were expendable, but there's only so many ones that you can take before it hurts. Mm-hmm. Because who are you going to go to? You know, you know, if I'm him, I'm nervous about Ricky Starks. He was at the Rumble with Cody. Yeah. 
you know what? WWE can't talk to him, but that doesn't mean he didn't see what the atmosphere was in the back, and everybody talks about how good it is there now. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Where I'm at, they can fucking put me on TV sometimes and don't other times. I can come here and get a push. Yeah. Shit, the very least, you know, you know, people want to judge Ricochet, but, man, he had one of the most memorable moments in that Rumble. Mm-hmm. He's always featured on TV. Exactly. If I'm a guy like Ricky Starks, I'm going to be like, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> this might be a better option, or at least I'm going to seek this option. I'm not going to just close myself off to one option. Yeah. And I think that's going to be the biggest problem is they're going to close themselves off to one option. I don't think you should. I've been saying that since day one. Mm-hmm. Make sure you don't burn bridges because God knows that at the very least, even if you don't want to go back to somewhere or you have no intentions of signing, at least you can make a bidding war yeah. and make yourself more money. It's smart business, people. Smart business. But we're going to be keeping our eyes on that rumor mill. We're going to be following the road to the WrestleMania because we are firmly on the fast lane to WrestleMania, 41 days from our recording, from the time some of you hear this is 40, 39, whatever days when you hear this, away from WrestleMania. Of course, we got big shows coming up because next week we'll be talking about some no surrender, Mm -hmm. but we got to preview whatever we have for AEW Revolution. Hopefully we get something. Yeah. And then on top of that, Game Changer Wrestling has a huge weekend back at the showboat in Atlantic City, New Jersey, and so much more. So we have a lot to talk about next week, but that's going to do it for this week. Ken M, one last time, tell the fine folks how to find yourself in the ODPH Podcast. Short and sweet, ODPHpodcast.com. And of course, if you want to find me, 3FNpodcast.com. All the information is there. And that is going to bring us to the end of the show. So thank you so much for tuning in. Next week, we'll be back with all those things I just mentioned and more on your weekly dose of 67 Oh, yeah. I almost forgot. So my plans for this year's WrestleMania, and I'm sure Ken will be on board, is we're going to break it into two. We are going to do a show that is all around WrestleMania, i.e. Ring of Honor's got a show, Collective's going down. There's a whole bunch of shows around WrestleMania. We'll talk about that on one show, and then we will do a separate show for the two days of WrestleMania. Okay. And so basically, instead of making one four-hour show, yeah, 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 yeah. we'll have two one one like hour and some show and one probably close to two-hour show as we give you our full dive on WrestleMania, and we'll treat it the same after WrestleMania. We'll just do them in separate because that way we can give you the coverage that you deserve while not making you have to listen to four hours. <laughs> Because it's going to be a long one this year. you got two nights of Mania. you got six events going down at the Collective at least. You've got a Ring of Honor show going down. New Japan will probably do a show because they did one last year. Mm. Uh, the wrestling world descends. And so I think it's just easier so we can still pay attention to what we love and get you all the information you want. So we'll just break it into kind of like what we do at the ODPH when we break down the wrestling preview show. We do AFC and NFC. Mm. We still record them in the same day. We might record these in separate days just, just for shits and gigs. Yeah. But, but still. We'll, we'll, we'll make it happen so that way you guys get them the week of and the week after, and you don't have to miss out any coverage for WrestleMania week this year. Okay. Or you don't have to search through four hours to f- find what you want. Yeah, yeah. So for those of you who just want to know about the WrestleMania breakdown, you'll have a show for that. And for those of you who love the everything else about wrestling and want to hear everything, you can have both shows. Or those of you who don't care about WWE, you'll at least have the independent show and uh, Ring of Honor and all that shit going down. So we'll have all the breakdowns covered. Hmm. That's how I look at it. So we're going to serve everybody and give you. So that's what we're doing there. So with that being said, that's on the road to WrestleMania. We're not there yet. For uh, Ken M, for myself, take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. And most importantly, later, wrestling fans! Could order cho-